Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Good morning, it's 10.03. Welcome to the New Year's Eve edition of Summer Days with Stephen McCarver. A busy wee four hours coming your way. We reflect on the year of rugby with Sky Sports' Ken Laban shortly. And we'll do the same with Rugby League, with Rugby League royalty after one in the form of Greg Alexander. The Black Cap series against Sri Lanka is looming. A day away, selected Gavin Larson will give us his thoughts on that. And the retirement announcement of Ross Taylor. Plus, we talk to Devin Conway. He's back in the fold and probably going to play at first drop in, face, in, in place, should I say, of the injured uh, skipper. Also, Mark Clayton will join us and talk New Year's Day races coming out. There is lots to look forward to. You can share your thoughts on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Sophie Pascoe and Lisa Carrington were named dames in the New Year's Honours list, and both are understandably staying quiet while holidaying and celebrating with Fano on the East Coast. Well, one of them is. Uh, but Dame Lisa has released a small statement that reads as such, and I quote, This is from Dame Lisa Carrington. This is a huge honour. I feel incredibly humbled to be named alongside so many other amazing New Zealanders. It's special because not only is it an acknowledgement of the work I've done and the things I've achieved so far in my career, but it's also a tribute to all the people who support me in what I do. Oh, by the way, we do have Dame Sophie Pascoe live here on SENZ at half past ten. So there is a lot to look forward to as the clock ticks over at 10.05. What was your thought on the rugby year? What were your thoughts on the rugby year, I wonder? Well, we're going to give you an educated opinion when one of my good friends, one of the great broadcasters too in the rugby world, and that is uh, Kenny Laban, direct, direct out of... His part of the world is it Potidua, Upper Hutt? What are we? Where I don't know where you actually live, Kenny. Wonderful Wainui, Martin. Oh, I should have known. Oh, shame on me! Happy New Year, my friend. Yes, and to you, and to all our listeners, mate. You, you, I've, I've got off a bad start, haven't I? I mean, I've, as soon as I didn't say Wainui, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, uh, what, what if, if we just look in perspective? What have you made in the rugby year of general, mate? Well, I suppose if you look at it from an all-black perspective, uh, they played 15 tennis tests. They finished the year 12-3 and with an 80% KPI. So if you look at their body of work, I guess, in its entirety, um, 
there will be many in the game that will give them a pass. But if you take out the big tests, the ones that really matter, Ireland, France, the All Blacks, I mean, South Africa and Australia, then um, the numbers don't look so good. So the speculation has been we're good against teams that can't play and uh, we've been pretty ordinary um, in the big games. You know, losing to Ireland, losing to France, uh, the manner in which they lost. Uh, the game, my apologies, I'm... The, I'm standing in a whanau photo. They're all giving it to me, Stephen. Oh, look! I, I knew, I knew this was a, a tough ask to get you to do this because you're the big koro. How many, how many mokopuna do you have, mate? Oh, he's gone. Is he gone? He's still there, Kenny. Wow! So one of the one of the kids must have got the phone. Is he still there, Brian? What happened there, buddy? One of the kids get you. What, one of the kids get your phone. Something like that. It's all good. Are, are you are you clear now? Can we still talk to you? No, we're having a few problems there. Just double check again, lads. Kenny, you there, bud? Yes, I. How about we? How about we? Uh, just are you there, Ken? Okay, how about we ring him back and we'll just have a little think about that. We'll just, just uh, disconnect and re-see if we can just re-establish the, the call. We're talking to Kenny Laban from Sky Sport about the, the rugby year. Hey, Brian, you know this one thing? Can I talk to you while we try and get Kenny on the line, Brian? There's one thing that intrigues me. Did, did we have two Super Rugby's this year? I've been looking, but I was trying to figure it out whether it was Super Rugby Trans-Hasman in the first part of the year, and was there then Super Rugby Aotearoa? Well, yes, yes, it confuses <laughs> the heck out of me Because I was trying to figure out when did the Blues win the champ- uh, competition, and it was this year. Yeah, and they won the Trans-Tasman. Right. Because it was the usual red and blacks, right? They right. won... Uh, they, they, they rang Super Rugby Aotearoa. Does that make sense? Now, we've got Kenny back in line. Oh, no, he's gone again. That's okay. We, we keep talking. So, I mean, when you look at the rugby year, because you've been following, you know, you flow sports like any demon does... When you look at the rugby year, how would you? What pass mark would you give rugby as a product as a whole? <sighs> About fifty percent, mate. Wow, well, there were big size and There's huffs huge and puffs holes there. Though. What was that? What were the huffing and puffing for? What was that all about? Um, <laughs> mainly a lot of it, I guess, is from a Kiwi's perspective, looking at like the All Blacks and just how they didn't perform to how they should have. They haven't changed their style for a long time, and it's just become stagnant. And that's the problem with rugby union; it's become stagnant. They are uh, the the rule changes they bring in take it to more like rugby league. But then we might as well just all watch rugby league. Well, yeah, well, you and I would both quite happily, quite, quite <laughs> happily sure. do that. Uh, but uh, but Mark Watson, who was working here on SCNZ as well, said to me, we really should worry about the All Black results because complacency uh, about the All Blacks is dangerous because you don't you if you get complacent, oh, it's okay. Then you don't set the bar high. Definitely. Do do you play? Do you buy into that argument? Do you? Yeah, I absolutely buy into it. I, I'll take shares in that argument because. Um, if we don't, you know, hold them to account, they won't reach the status that they should reach. Though, uh, you know, sometimes you'd think that you, you talk to some of the players and you'd think that they are doing better than they actually are results-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the results for the greatest team to ever play the game, they weren't on par this yeah, season. Yeah, but see, you see, this is this is the issue that I have. We're still trying to get Kenny Lab. He, he must be somewhere deep in deep in Mainui Mata to have a bad signal, but that's okay. Is that we put too much attention on the All Blacks, and the, and there's this magnificent game below that we continue to talk about, but seem to often forget, which is grassroots rugby, right? You know, yeah. the Heartland rugby, and even below that, club rugby. Club rugby. Uh, you know, club rugby. I would love to see club rugger on the telly, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, especially some of these competitions like the Christchurch one and the Auckland comp. Um, there's some amazing personalities at that. You know, you still get your Norm Berrymans at that level. Yeah. You know, uh, nothing's trained out of them. They're still, you know, you get a big prop trying to kick like a... Yeah, exactly. But but for me, it's also, uh, I, I would look at it as a chance to put some of these kids that are playing first 15 rugby, use that as your direction finder, put them in there and have them muddied up a bit, if you know what I mean, uh, to, to learn to toughen it up rather than going from first 15 to academies and then suddenly in super rugby and they've found out. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's happened a lot recently, hasn't it? A lot, a lot of young, younger ones being found out because they didn't really get that. Uh, well, they didn't play against men when they were younger. Yeah. And then by the time they sort of, I guess, became full bodied, they were playing other men, dominating when they were younger. I remember playing a celebrity game of rugby in Tukurua. Uh, now, Pat Bennett, if I'm, I think the name is right, used to be a hooker for Waikato. And he rubs my face. He he picked up a whole heap of mud. I was in the front row for some stupid reason. You were in the a hooker. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, me. You know what I what I look like. I'd be more like yeah. out the back. I remember having my face. Him picking up a piece of mud and just rubbing my face in it. And yeah. I thought to myself, that's what youngins need to know, right? So they that's miss what, out on. That's what youngins need to do uh, to sort themselves out because that's that's how it goes. And I th- I think when you look back at the rugby, I think the one thing I'm excited about if we. I think we've lost Kenny, haven't we? I think we're struggling no, to get I Kenny. I think so. Well, it's a real shame, and I apologise to you because we had lined Kenny up and he was all good to go uh, about three or four days ago. But obviously he's somewhere in Wainui Amata where the signal isn't that great. So you look at the All Blacks, and, and, and Kenny said it himself, you know, not winning against the, the teams that matter. But isn't that a good th- sign to go, OK, what do we need to improve? It did definitely, because it's in between World Cups, right? All Blacks getting beaten like this uh, out, out before World Cup, a couple of years away, is just going to shake the shake them up. But will their coach have what it takes? Oh, see, to now give, you're playing that to card, put the new right? Game plan. See, uh, well, this, they need a new game this, plan. This is the test. This is the test, right, for Ian Foster and his team. Absolutely. Is to okay. So you've struggled against key nations. Now, and but this is the other problem. I have lots of problems with a little bit of rugger in the sense of working on the four-year World Cup cycle, right? Where I would rather think if you have everything under you, where and you're feeding into that all-black machine, then everything should take care of itself. Do you do you buy into the argument that a modern coach at this level is more of a manager? Yeah, more of a manager rather than and and allows those myriad of assistants under him to try and work out the way he wants to play the game. Absolutely. I mean, these kids, these All Blacks and stuff, they've uh, been streamlined since the day they realised they were good at rugby. And they've been sitting through academies. 13-year-olds now know way more about rugby than I knew at 13. Yeah. It's just how it is. That's the state of the game now. And so they're streamlined. They know how to play. It's just like Origin. They know how to play. <laughs> you just need someone like Mel Meninga to come in there, motivate them, and get them to. <laughs> I love I love how suddenly we'll be talking rugby and you've just gone, you're just, yeah, now we're talking about rugby league and big legends like Mel Meninga. What did you make of the NPC this year? So I was pretty happy because my Waikato uh, won the Bunnings NPC. But the, a lot of people are, were really frustrated that Taranaki you know, sitting in championship, what did you make? I mean, the Taranaki run was a stunner, right? It, it was amazing. I'll just put it this way. I'm a Hawks Bay lad. Yeah. We kept the shield. That's all that really mattered. Would oh, have, wow. Would have loved to have beaten uh, JD's team, the Finns. Would have loved to take another muckle, but hey, unfortunately we didn't. Okay, so why do you think the the Ranfilly shield is more important? History. Wow, cut me off at my knees. Is it, that, yep. That's all it is. Absolute history. So, so you would rather your team finish bottom and still hold the Ranfilly Shield? 
Oh yeah, but that won't happen if you hold the ring fully shield because yeah, you get know, points for that. At least get but, points. Uh, yeah, I would. I would. Isn't that a bit odd? Uh, it's like saying I'll happily win the FA Cup, but forget about the Premiership. <laughs> yeah, with right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you see, you get a reaction from you. See. Well, yeah, 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 it is along those lines. But I think um, just the way the NPCs jumped from you know was the New Zealand tournament for a while. You know, the way it's jumped around what it is. The Ranfley Shield stayed true to what it's been, and you just need to pick, put your hands on that log of wood to feel and read the history in there. The amazing players who have played for it. Do, gone. do you know? So here's a little piece of history. The first ever rugby game I went to was 1980 at Rugby Park in Hamilton when it when it was the old Rugby Park in Hamilton. I was with I was a youngster with my brothers. It was a Ranfley Shield challenge. Counties trying to take the shield off Waikato. Chocker Stadium, amazing atmosphere. Wow, I thought this is pretty cool. Yeah. That's when people actually supported rugby and they yep. didn't sit and clap quietly and, and not know how to support. I think it was, if my memory serves me correct, I've still got the ticket stub in a little scrapbook. Wow. I've still got the ticket stub. And I, if my memory serves me correct, it was 16 all and Waikato retained the shield. <sighs> and that was probably one of my few memories of rugby when it mattered in the provinces because I think that's, you know, I I come back to the shift. The shift has gone to the higher echelon. Whereas for me, you know what I'd do? Here's here's, here's, here's some general chat. I mean, if you want to talk to us on 0800 150811, what would you do to improve the state of rugby below super rugby? See, I wouldn't have super rugby. I'd have, actually, I'd have super rugby. What I would do is I would um, turn the NPC into your Super Rugby. Because what I think is missing in Super Rugby, quite simply, is this tribalism. I mean, can you get tribal about the Blues? Can it's hard you, to get tribal about a franchise. It's hard to get – well, yeah, I understand. But provin- provincial tri- tri- tribalism is what it's all about. I yep. mean, you can – if we look at the Rugby League model, they've got 16, soon to be 17 teams, right? But they are they are specific. They've been around for a long time, but they create the tribalism. Mm. And so what you don't have with Super Rugby is tribalism. They try really hard and give them their due, but it's not really because you're from different areas. You suddenly try and rejig the competition, the rugby competition around the uh, NPC into tribalism. So you've got your Waikotos, you've got your Canterbury's, you've got your Wellingtons, you've got Northerns, you've got your Manawatus, because yeah. Staffy would be as tribal as anything. Yeah. Uh, and try and make it work financially, because that's what it's all about. Even if you, you know, had to sucker some in. But, you know, like you could have, you could literally have, what well, you do anyway, the two the two southern teams, right? But because southern folk, I think, are a little bit more tribal. I think southern folk are a little bit more tribal, except maybe those in the Bay of Plenty, because Bay of Plenty rugby fans are pretty tribal, like and and Waikato fans. And I just think if you create that, you create a different dynamic. And if you make the the game day experience greater, which Moana Pacifica are going to try and do at Mount yeah. Smart Stadium, like a Warriors game, yeah. which we know, we, you know both know. Oh, and, and even rugby fans going to the Warriors know about the game day experience. You yeah. enhance that game day experience. Suddenly, you create a completely different beast. Yeah. I, I mean, Super Rugby's okay, but yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? No, no, I do. I do as a Hawks Bay boy growing up in the Hawks Bay. Uh, the Hurricanes came along. They were our team in our catchment area, but heaps of our players were playing for Otago. I've always wanted to have like a, a, a province of origin, 
Oh, they yeah. go back to the province and they play for, you know, that would be Well, see, the thing tribal. with this, though, you see, Brian, this is good rugby chat. You can create more content, your province of Orange, yeah. you know, but you, what you also do is you create local heroes. Yeah. And so young rugby players, both men and women, young boys and girls, suddenly start going to the rugby again with mum and dad. And hopefully that filters down to club rugby, which in many areas is struggling and dying. They're struggling to, to field teams in their winter competitions. Yeah. And suddenly you, you look back and go, well, actually, club rugby is the way to do this. And there's your feeder. Like in rugby league, you've got your reserve grade. Yeah. So that's 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 been my sort of my big go-to for a long time. Well, even Chris has said, Foxton versus Shannon, club rugby. He says it's like the ABs against the Strats. So there you go, straight away. Foxton versus Shannon. Yeah, straight away. Just like um, the Marlborough and Tasman, you know, those two teams hated each other. <laughs> they just went at it. Well, yeah, I mean, if, uh, I remember I remember uh, club rugby. You talk about club rugby. My my brother uh, brothers both plays for Putaradu. And then when Melville from Hamilton came along okay, yeah, and, yeah. and Maya, the great the great Maya Melson was in the team, played for Waikato. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh well, it was it was amazing because suddenly there was like, oh, and you knew you were going to get a Barney. You knew you were going to get a Barney, and something was going to happen. And I thought that was pretty important. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's it, it is something we need to look at. But I just wonder. We talked to Bailey Mackey a long time ago, uh, East Coast legend out there, and also on the board of New Zealand Rugby. And I said, you know, should we should we be doing something? So. Who knows, Bruce? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. G'day, Bruce. Stephen, hello, mate. Hello. You're, you're touching a point here. You're poking the bear a bit here. I, I, I agree with you totally that the tribalism and, and that uh, close identity and those heroes and all that, that, that's what it should be about. So, so, you, so what, would you, what would you like to see? Well, Super Rugby is driven by... What millionaires by TV rights by money, all the wrong, all the wrong reasons. So what what do you do? Do you can it completely? Do you tell all those guys that are being paid hundreds of thousand dollars a year? Sorry, mate, we we're going to go back twenty years, and um, you're going to play because you love the game, and we'll give you a living, but we're not going to give you, you know, a house in Auckland or whatever. I, look, look, Bruce. All I want to see is tribalism back in because I think it's important, right? What's the Absolutely. what the perf what what is the perfect solution? I keep saying turn this turn the NPC turn the NPC into a competition the same length as the NRL, and then you've got something because then you create your tri- tribalism through that. Bruce, I really appreciate you giving him a call. And I know what you want, uh, whether it happens in our lifetime, who knows. But Happy New Year, mate. Same to you, mate. All the very best. Yeah. Nice yeah, nice. And thanks for calling 0800 150811. Trend is gone. Have you ever been to Taranaki? Yes, I have. There is no province more tribal than us. Trent, I appreciate that. If you want to talk more about that, you know the number 0800 150811. This is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. It's 1021. Coming away at 1030, Dame Sophie Pascoe. 1027 here on this uh, New Year's Eve 2021. And Chris is on the line from Fox and wants to talk about club rugby. G'day, mate. Happy New Year, almost. Yeah, Happy New Year too. I just absolutely love your channel. It's just brilliant. Um, you know, wish you guys all well. Um, club rugby, you know, this little rural town in Foxton has a um, 
the competition uh, was Shannon, mm-hmm. who's another uh, rural town. And it's just amazing. Um, I would probably watch that before I'd watch the All Blacks play Australia, but the intensity of it is, and the comradeship is just amazing. And we've had a lot of guys that have gone up a step into NPC and, and the Heartland and all that. And um, these, these uh, the families and that, that all get together and the kids come along, and it's all just basically donations. And I feel that um, they should be putting a wee bit more money into those those hey, clubs. Chris, just just briefly, do, yeah. do, with with the, with the club rugby, is it a, is it a strong club rugby that unites the community? Absolutely, absolutely. Like we'll travel over to Shannon, they'll come back to us, and uh, the whole community's in it. It's. Uh, I don't know, you know, and there's got to be a thousand people watching anyway. Who are you a supporter of? Oh, obviously Foxton. <laughs> uh, um, What's your record against Shannon yeah. like? Uh, well, I tell you what, it's, it's pretty over the... It's been going since, oh, the year dot, and um, it's pretty even... I mean, some, most of the time the score is only a couple of points between them, um, but it's just the it's just the intensity of the game, and they you see these guys in preseason and they're running around the roads and they're just like <laughs> they love they love it right the it's, whole thing. The world, world famous in yeah. Foxton and Shannon, but it's really important. I know it so well. Hey, Chris, happy New Year! Uh, stay with us because coming shortly we've got Dame Sophie Pascoe, mate. Stick around. This is SENZ at ten twenty nine. This is SENZ Summer Days at half past 10 on the dot. Have a listen to this. 11 Paralympic golds. 11 Paralympic golds. 20 other major golds, another 19 medals. And now the youngest dame or knight. That honour was previously held by shot putter Dame Valerie Adams, who was 32 when she was awarded the gong in 2017. Our next guest is only 28 years old. So it's a very good morning to Dame Sophie Pascoe. Good morning. Uh, how does that sound to you? <laughs> um, I haven't really obviously got used to it yet. I'm obviously um, still Sophie, and uh, but it's a huge honour to receive this title, of course. Yeah, I, I get the feeling you're going to be the type of woman that just wants to be called Sophie, and, and I'll, t- I'll take the dame and the, official, and the official functions, right? <laughs> yes. yes, very much so. It does definitely, certainly doesn't change who I am as a person. What was your first reaction when the, the nod came along and you were offered the opportunity? Yeah, it was a bit of a shock, really, um, and a bit of a moment of, wow, really? Um, and took some time uh, with my partner and, and my nana to discuss uh, whether to accept it or not, uh, just because... You know, I do feel like there's so many other Kiwis out there that have, are doing far more than myself uh, with me, you know, swimming because I love it and I love the challenge and, and I'm obviously want to, wanting to leave a lasting legacy for sure. Um, so to receive a title for what I thought I've done um, within the sporting community and, and the Paralympic community is uh, a very big honour. So I, yes, I have accepted it with absolute pride and honour. So for you, I get the impression it's not about it's not about the title, it's not about the goals, it's about the impact, and and you talk about the word legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, of course, I just want it to be a positive, lasting legacy that you know others 
can look up to and inspire and, and you know, especially within the disabled community, I'd love to see, um, you know, many more uh, people with disabilities to, uh, to feel like they can make an impact um, for our society and, you know, for the wider community as well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just one of a few that are paving that way and, you know, I can only, you know, be one of a few Paralympians that, you know, made um, sounds over across the world with um, our achievements in our field of what we, what we play. Sophie, I'd love to know just a, a moment uh, where you where you know that you're you are making an impact. Can you have you got a story where you you know someone's just come out of the blue and said what you are doing for me uh, goes beyond anything? Yeah, I, I have had some amazing stories and some people come up to me and and my career and you know especially around um, other families that have gone through an accident themselves. And um, that may have affected their their daughter or son, and um, you know, to to be able to be a positive light and impact, um, and a positive one in that in that matter, to be able to enhance their family and, and know that you know they're not the only ones, and that they can make um, inroads and and be um, uh, you know somebody in the society because. Um, you know, I, I always think back on my childhood that, you know, swimming for me um, was really an overshadow of my disability, but it doesn't change who I am and, and walking the streets and uh, it's just so nice to be able to have those sorts of people come up to me and say that I've been able to change their lives because of what I've done and, and or their, their daughter's or son's life. How important is it for you to spread the message of acceptance of disability and normalcy in, in, in everybody's eyes? Oh, it's massive. I think um, the word normal these days is, you know, a little blurry, to be yeah. quite honest with you. And, uh, you know, for myself, I do see myself as another person um, within society. You know, we will, we're not all perfect and... Um, you know, I, I look at the way that I handle my everyday life. It's um, certainly with integrity and with everything that I do. But, you know, I find myself um, doing exactly what my other peers are doing. And if I can't do it their way, then I'll find a way. And um, so it's very important that all people are accepted in society. And the more that we're kinder to each other and we're accepting, I think we'll have a much um, kinder, kinder world for sure. I'm fascinated by your resilience and your mental strength. Where does that come from? Who does it come from? <laughs> Look, I, I certainly think it, there's a, definitely a part of adversity that is in there, and that's obviously from the day of the accident. You know, of course, my family has had to live with um, this adversity, but we've we've wanted to make it a positive and, and not make it a negative. Um, so every day, even though even though I do say that you know I'm I'm one of many walking the streets, um, feeling the same as my other peers, there are certainly days that I feel disabled. You know, I still have to put my leg on in the morning, and there's certainly daily challenges of when I'm walking with pain, um, and and it is a struggle. But uh, you know, I find that's already an adversity within itself that you know makes me push through um, the hard barriers. And I think that's really transitioned into my um, field of sport. And, you know, obviously in sport, you've, you've got to have that resilience. Um, you've got to be able to push yourself through that pain to get the successes. I read a, a lovely little piece in one of the papers this morning online. 
and the, and it was lovely because I I I wondered whether how you followed through on this. You said the moment I really wanted to become somebody and a swimmer was when my grandfather fell ill and was asking all the grandkids what we wanted to be when we grew up. I said to him, I wanted to be a swimmer, go to the Paralympics and win a gold medal for you. I'm very good at keeping my promise. <laughs> yes, I am certainly good at keeping my promises. <laughs> and I'm sure he's very proud. I'm looking down on me for sure. Um, you know, I, I didn't obviously at that age think that I was going to go on to be doing four Paralympic campaigns. But, um, you know, we're always asked as children, you know, what we want to be when we grow up. And, and we're sort of finding our way Um you know, as young kids through primary school and then obviously high school. Uh, and then the big question is, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to university or are you going to go, stu- you know, study a trade? And, um, you know, for me to be able to make that decision so firmly at 10 and yeah. then to carry that on through my whole career um, so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I do look back on it and go, gosh, did I, <laughs> you know, did I think of wanting to be anything else? And, it's funny because actually I did through high school, you know, all my friends had a job, um, you know, uh, paying, you know, having to pay, have some pocket money as well as obviously go to um, university and then work while at university. So my dream job was actually to be a checkout chick because I was, all my girlfriends were, you know, um, working at the supermarket and I was in awe of a different lifestyle, but i very thankful of my lifestyle that I've been able to travel the world. Uh, swimming has taken me to great places, met some amazing people, and I've got those, I've got these amazing memories for life. And I know that you know the work life will come later for sure. What is the dream job? Have you thought about that now? <laughs> well, yes, I'm. I'm currently in the um, stages of very early stages of um, wanting to start my own business, and um, and I'm hoping that's in the fashion industry. So. Um, well, may I, may, yeah, I, may I say you wear you wear it well. You wear it well. Uh, you certainly you certainly are a benchmark, might I say, at the Halbergs. What did you think of uh, Dame Lisa? I think it's a massive achievement. I I did think of, about her in the back of my mind, knowing that if I you know she certainly had an incredible career. I mean, she's our top Olympian, a New Zealand Olympian of all time, and. Um, it's well deserving, absolutely, and she's a great friend and a beautiful person. There's no one else I can think of that's more deserving for sure. So, when do you call time on all this? <laughs> um, well, not just yet. I, I have the short-term goal of heading to Commonwealth Games, and um, I've made no firm decisions or plans after that. I want to take it day-by-day goal at this stage, and that's how I had to take it going into Tokyo, and it worked well for me. Um, through the hard struggles, but uh, going forward, I think it needs to be um, daily goals and obviously the short-term goal at first. Well, all I can say is you are a shining light. You're a constant shining light uh, amongst New Zealanders and in in this chosen sport that you have. Uh, How do you celebrate New Year's tonight? Oh, tonight I'm with um, my family and friends, my partner and we're just up in the Golden Bay in Nelson and just enjoying the sun, and I'm sure there'll be a couple of champagne poured. Well, they are well-deserved. You enjoy it. Sophie, thanks for giving us your time. Congratulations, Dame Sophie Pascoe. Thank you so much. There you go. Dame Sophie Pascoe live here on SENZ. And, uh, she is a shi- I said shining light because every time you see her, there is always that magnificent smile on her face, and she's just a good human being.
and that I think is probably resonates with a lot of people. She is held up, and quite rightly so, as a role model for disability and, and dis, uh, Paralympians. And, and, so, and so she should be because she's achieved so much. When you think about this, 11 Paralympic gold medals. Go back over that one. 20 other major gold medals and another 19 medals. And now our youngest dame. Quite interesting that she, uh, Brian, that she was happy to accept it. I, I should have, I should have asked her what were the questions being asked. But I think when you've done what you've done, and you look at her and how she explained her resilience, you can you can understand why she said yes. Because, and I, I didn't, and I know she didn't take umbrage at using the word normal, but acceptance of disability is still huge. Absolutely, I think one thing I picked up out of there, which was cool, was uh, what is normal. Because really, what is it? You know, it's a facade that people like to put on, but who's normal? What is it? Well, perception is a dangerous thing in society. Right? I always say perception is, is, is the most dangerous yep. thing going around. And she certainly has taken the perception of uh, disabled athletes out of the, out of the equation. Yep. Uh, and I know, having dealt with the Helberg uh, Foundation uh, a number of years ago, that the idea of disability is about to normalize it. Yeah. To they are no different. They are just doing what they can, and they are doing what they do, and they do such a good job. But wow, Dame Sophie Pascoe, that'll be up on our SENZ app in in short order. Uh, I think you just go to what what do we have to go to to rehear that if people haven't listened to it? That go so to so you go to mornings with Ian Smith. In mornings with Ian Smith. Look up podcasts and yep. and type in. And it'll be posted on there. The very the very last one. Yeah. So it's done in order. You know. Okay. If, so go on to Ian Smith Mornings, Mornings with Ian Smith on the podcast. It should be at the top shortly. And it'll be at the top on the SENZ. That's something to look forward to. If you have thoughts on either Dame Sophie Pascoe or Dame Lisa Carrington, feel free to call me about it because a lot of people think it's a bit of a mockery to give sports people uh, knighthoods and uh, regarding them as dames because – they're sports people. I'd love to know what you think. 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. Something to think about what we might do before, and we will do it before 11 o'clock. We might figure out what's making news, eh, bro? So we'll take a wee break and be back with you shortly. It's 10.43, Summer Days with Stephen McIver on SENZ. Ah! On SNZ Summer Days with Stephen McCover. Ah, a little bit of James Brown. And why wouldn't you feel good? We're heading to a brand new year. Here's hoping the year of 2022 is a lot better than 2020 and 2021. I am just so weary. I am COVID weary, but trying to take a positive approach to everything moving forward. Wherever you are around this beautiful land of Aotearoa, New Zealand, a happy new year. I trust wherever you are too with your whanau, you're having a good time, you're having a summertime. If not, Wherever you are, I just hope there's a smile on your face. It's time to talk about what's making news with uh, Brian. Brian, what is making news, mate? Oh, it's quite a, quite a lot oh, out there, right? I love that. Oh, Isn't there? Does that a chill down your spine? Oh, mate. Well, <laughs> the first story I want to talk about is actually uh, quite a quite a big thing personally for me. Um, one of my uh, cricketing heroes, uh, Ross Taylor, Black Caps legend, mm-hmm has decided to pull stumps at the end of the summer of cricket, releasing a short statement through his Twitter. Today I'm announcing my retirement from the international from international cricket at the conclusion of the home summer. Two more tests against Bangladesh and six ODIs against Australia and the Netherlands. Thank you for 17 years of incredible support. It's been an honour to represent my country. Number 234, the yeah. legend. Uh, yeah, and look... Uh 
when you think about it, if you love your cricket, this will be the last Test Series in whites. And yeah. for many, many cricketers, the whites are what it's all about, right? And when you look at what he has done, he's got the most runs for New Zealand Tests at 7,584. Uh, he's got the most runs for New Zealand ODIs, 8,581. <laughs> Gets better. In all formats, the most runs for any New Zealander, 18,074. Wow. The most ODI hundreds for New Zealand in 21. The most hundreds for New Zealand in international cricket, 40. Most appearances for New Zealand in international cricket, 445. One of only four New Zealanders to play 100 tests. There's Vittori, Fleming, Taylor and Brendan McCullum, Baz. Uh, first player from any country to make 100 international appearances. It, it goes on and on and on. Oh, hang on. This is this is probably the key one. <laughs> you talk about longevity and enduring, right? Absolutely. This is Taylor's 20th season in first-class cricket, currently the longest surviving New Zealand first-class player still a- d- active, debuting in 2002-2003. Wow. Uh, if you don't think that's a legacy, there's something wrong with you, right? I think that's the GOAT. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I think we've got to be really careful when we start throwing the goat around. Oof. Oh, my goodness. I think you know because there's a guy called Kane Williamson who probably will be the goat. But then the the, the, the crazy thing, Brian, now, come on, we should argue about this one because the, the thing about cricket, it's all about numbers. Yep. It's all about numbers. The bigger the numbers... You know, are you the goat or the smaller? Or is it about who you were, what you did at the time? So, I think a lot of things go in his favour. The way he humbled himself after he lost the captaincy, rejoined the team and became a huge positive member. Became a team member. That, and that, that is everything. I go back to my Tom Brady series, right? Yeah. No one is bigger than the team. Yeah. And he is the perfect example of that, Ross Taylor. Yep. Then the innings he had at uh, McLean Park where he dehydrated himself and ended up in hospital. But was in the middle for so long. Was it like nine days in the middle? You know, it was I, ridiculous. I, I, I love how you said that. He dehydrated himself. He deliberately went out there and dehydrated Oh, <laughs> drinks breaks. He's standing there <laughs> patting at his crease instead of having a drink. Come on. <laughs> Hi, Ross Taylor. Did you know I actually once dehydrated myself deliberately? <laughs> well, okay. But but as a fan, because that's what it's really all yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. What does Ross... You said he was your hero, right? Yeah, Did I'd say, say your hero? My, my goat. Okay, so... What of his nature and his ability means uh, is is to you as him being the guy? What his 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 impressions on you? Well, uh, everything that we've said so far, and I'm going to circle back to mm-hmm. the captaincy that that whole thing there. Lesser players would have dropped their lip and just gone overseas and just applied their trade in county cricket or something. Uh, they would have just done the T20 circuit, but. Being of such a calibre of a person, it's not so much... I mean, the cricket, obviously, you you read the numbers out, mm-hmm. they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the calibre of a person, to be able to do that and then become still one of the greatest batsmen we've ever had, mm. yeah, is just... It speaks volume about what type of person he is and probably what type of kids he's going to raise. You know you know what I mean? And, and his... What he does for society. He puts many smiles on faces. I think it comes back to that one line that we keep talking about, particularly with the likes of uh, Dame Lisa Carrington, Dame Savi Basco. Good human being, right? Absolutely. Good human yeah. being. Okay, yeah. so that, that is a, that's big news in the cricketing world. Uh, what else is making news? <laughs> okay, so something out of the WTF files. A, uh, <laughs> a Brazilian mayor 
and a former town councillor have had a major disagreement over maintenance of a water park and the mayor's handling of that maintenance, with the former councillor calling the mayor, among other things, a rotter and a crook. Now, they decided to settle their differences in typical Brazilian style with three rounds of MMA. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So the mayor was awarded the judge's decision with uh, sections of the audience chanting stitch up, stitch up, obviously in Portuguese. But uh, the, the crowd didn't agree. So even at that level, there's probably... Oh, can you can you can you imagine uh, Phil Goff having a go Whoa. against uh, against mayoral candidate Leo Malloy, for instance, who wants to be Auckland mayor? Can you imagine them? That's what having I wanted a to ask you. Who would you put in there out of these New Zealanders? <laughs> well, that's oh, well. I wouldn't put them in the MMA because that's well. Actually, I probably would put them in the MMA because you can grapple and they just roll around like you know yeah. kids kids wrestling on the grass yeah. at the beach, right? Yeah. I'd put Leo Malloy in there against Phil Goff. Because I wouldn't give Phil Goff a hope in hell of coming out on top. Because Leo would probably bite him. He's scrappy. So he's scrappy. Yeah. And, and I, I like his style. Not that many others would agree with me, but I, I like his style. So that would be one. Actually, by the way, speaking of fights, I hear the, the fight for lies coming back next year in April uh, mm. for, with the sporting celebrities and television celebrities uh, around. So I'm hearing some names go around already. I'm going, oh, okay, I've done three of those. So uh, uh, if anyone's going to get into that, just do one thing for me. Just train the house down it's a 12 you basically go into a 12 week training camp my last one was with monty beatham i had 12 and i had six six and a half seven days a week uh and i got down to the lightest i've ever been 84 kegs so that's what i would do i'd have a mayoral candidacy scrapathon. so yeah that that would be fun man yeah, that would be a lot that, of fun that would be a lot of fun yeah yeah no there's a few i'd like to go and see but anyway <laughs> After it all, uh, after it all happened, it's still unclear whether the fight has uh, fixed the problems at the water park. <laughs> yeah. So poor old water park's probably, you know, yeah. getting all gooey and algae all over the place, and these guys are still worry about their own egos. Yeah. All righty, what else is making news? Uh, well, <laughs> now this one is from the same file, the WTF file. Okay. So, uh, and you know, in America, typical America, American America, style. America. Uh, a man has been kicked off a flight for wearing women's underwear as a face mask. Okay, so Adam Jean was on a flight from Fort Lauderdale to Washington when he was removed from it for his pink G-string mask. While being removed, the man protested and managed to get some of the passengers on his side with others also leaving the flight in support. Americans, I tell you. Uh, asked why, Mr. Jean said he pulled the stunt to highlight what he sees as the absurdity of mask wearing on flights. Well, okay, so that guy's a total dick Absolutely. for a start, right? Let's, yep. let's put it that way. And let me give you an example of how important masks are, right? Omicron is surging through New South Wales at the moment. Friend of mine works in television. A director came up to him five days ago. They were both wearing masks, as is as the requirement in the workplace over there. Uh, the next day, uh, so there's, they're probably talking, you know, probably let's say two metres apart, whatever. The next day, the director rings my friend and says, oh, I've just tested positive Omicron. You need to go and get a test. And these are the words that my mate said. He said, when I got the test, negative. And he said, it just goes to show that the mask works, particularly this with this now little contagious little pain in the backside that Omicron is. So I, I would say uh, the and from the American files, total knob and uh, move on. But please, if you are in situations where you need to wear your mask, wear your damn mask. Because, you know, 
I don't want to be a, a, a the old negative Nelly here, but I, I got this funny feeling. Omicron's already jumped in. Mm. We, we just got to keep. We can keep handling. I'm going to get my booster shot today, by the way, because uh, I'm four months past, so oh. I, I can get my booster shot. So I'm getting my booster shot. Okay, I think we got time for yeah, we got time for one more. What's making news? Yep. As Karen has sashayed in to get to get ready to do the news. Now this is a quick one, and it's just because it annoys me uh, it a hell of a lot. Uh, DJ COVID, he's in Waiheke Island. He broke some rules to get oh. there. Hide your kids, hide your wives, hide, 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 hide just hide everything. He's bring he's brought COVID to Waiheke. How do you think all those people over there? Feel? They'd be filthy. They would be. They would they? be. I would love to know the. I they would hate lo- us visiting. Well, actually, I would love to know what their vaccination rates are like. <laughs> Although they're probably under the the Auckland DHB, so they'd probably be quite high to safeguard the beautiful part of Aotearoa. All righty. Well, thank you for that, mate. That's what has been making news. Uh, coming your way after 11 o'clock on summer days, we're going to talk to Gavin Larson, Black Caps selector. Uh, talk to him about the impact that Ross Taylor has had on cricket and also how they're feeling about the pitch at the Bay Oval in Mount Maunganui. But wouldn't that be a nice day out? Sitting at the Bay with a couple of brewskis watching a bit of cricket. Not my cup of tea, but I'm sure if it's your cup of tea, if you love your cricket, Brian would be there in a shot, but he's got to work with me today. So that's that's well out of luck. Also, give you a chance to be stumped by Stephen. It's always a little bit of fun. It's not too hard to stump me. Also, don't forget, uh, coming your way after midday today, we'll talk to Black Cap, who on the return, and his return, and that is Devin Conway. So that is a, a lot to look forward to. And if you love your rugby league, we're going to be talking to uh, rugby league royalty in the form of Greg Alexander. Won a premiership with the Panthers in 91, is on the Panthers board, now works for Fox Sport. Uh, a former warrior as well. Get his take on 2021. Was this a cracking season, or could it be better? And can the Panthers go back-to-back in 2022. So there's a lot to look forward to. You can be part of it as well. 0800 150811. That's 0800 11. 11.04 on SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver nationwide. You can hear us wherever you go, however you want on the SENZ app or listen on your local frequency. Uh, the Black Caps are out to extend their home unbeaten streak. How about this? To 18 tests. That goes back to March of 2017, and they want to bank maximum points, obviously, to revive their World Test Championship defence. With the Test Series starting against Sri Lanka tomorrow, selector Gavin Larson joins us right now. Uh, early Happy New Year, Gavin. Yeah, thank you very much, Stephen. Same to you. Uh, so, as a selector, do you have butterflies in your stomach about a New Year's Day test? Do you get excited? <laughs> Always. Um, yeah, I guess that's part of why we do this job, Stephen. It's, um, I mean, first of all, it's a great time to be involved with, with New Zealand cricket. Things are going pretty well, but I can, um, I can promise you, you still get a bit nervy um, when, you, when you're selecting teams. And, and obviously when it comes around to actual performance itself, you know, you watch with a lot of interest. And you know, not just at international level either, um, you know, at domestic level, and I enjoy... Um, looking at the young fellas coming through, but certainly nothing beats watching the BCs in action. Yeah, so this is interesting for me because we look at the cataclysmic failure of England in the Ashes, and there's there's already talk that the, the systems are not right at home uh, in their county cricket and the like. When you look at New Zealand's cricket systems and you talk about the young fellas you're watching play cricket, are you confident that the next wave is on the way? Uh, yes, in, in a general sense, I, I am uh, for, for sure, and I think there's a there's been a lot of work done over the last decade or so that you know has positioned us really well, uh, and I think the success that we've seen in the last three or four years, um, I mean, I don't think it's been fluked. 
Um, sure, we've got some world-class players. There's no doubt about that. But I think the real illustration for me is the depth that's been developed, and that when we are, you know, we're blooding guys through into international cricket, Stephen, they're, they're, they're stepping up very, very quickly. So that's that to me is a reflection, a really good reflection on New Zealand cricket and our major associations and how they're how they're bringing these guys through. There would have been a time, Gavin, when people would never have thought that New Zealand could go 18 tests unbeaten at home. Do, do you think that comes down to the team mentality and what you've just described about people being able to step up? Yeah, yep, I think that's definitely a, a part of it. I mean, we had a bit of a watershed moment that's very, very well documented back about oh, eight or nine years ago now when we a big failure in South Africa and everything got reset and, and, and we approached things a little bit differently. Um, and, and from then, I, I think it's been, you know, some really good alignment between New Zealand Cricket, um, our EMAs and the Cricket Players Association. And we've all been sort of, I think, in a general sense, swimming in the same direction. And, and, and there's been some tough calls made uh, but from pitches and training facilities uh, to talent ID programs and right through to the the BCs at the highest level. I mean, I think we've got things, most things right. I mean, I'm not certainly not suggesting everything's perfect. There's always there's always an amber flag or two that, that pop up, but you know that, that that wouldn't be sport if that wasn't the case. Would you be of the same philosophy? The late national swim coach, the late Jan Cameron, always said, "If we're going to create champion individuals and champion teams, you've got to have champion coaches." Couldn't agree more. Um, there, there were, you know, two things that I've, I've brought through with me from my playing days. One is coaching, and one is uh, one is facilities. So the actual um, the pictures and the training facilities that players get offered um, you know, to, to, to perform their skills on. I think that shouldn't be underestimated, the massive advancements that we've made around our pitches and, and training facilities. But coaching, Stephen, I couldn't agree more. And I think we've made some tremendous um, advancements in that in that area. And I I really do enjoy my um, my scouting work around the MA scene and, 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 and touching base with the the MA coaches, not just the head coaches, but their support coaches. And once again, I, I use that word alignment. I get a real sense that we're all on the same page. I don't wish to sound cynical or a doubting Thomas, but do you think the pressure now of being defending World Test Championships will be handled well and admirably by this group? Oh, I'd, I'd like to think that we, uh, that we embrace that. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice position to be in, isn't it? Mm. We, we haven't been in that position, you know, very often at all. And um, what we do know is that, uh, you know, when we play at home, you know, we're presented with conditions that, that we're used to and we're, we're more comfortable with. And we see around the world how just how good teams are in their own environment. You know, you just look at what happened in India uh, India recently. So, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to handle ourselves well, he says, with hand on heart. Um, you know, with the test matches, you know, upcoming here in New Zealand, and the and the, the big test, Stephen, is always when we jump on the plane and and head offshore. And um, you know, just for instance, next next winter we've got three back to back tests in England, and again that that starts to present a you know another challenge for us. But how lucky we are to have been able to have test cricket and one days in this this current environment has that played a role in in cementing the the camaraderie amongst this group. 
Oh, look, it's been tough. So, um, I, I can honestly say that. And then it's had certainly um, had very challenging moments over the last year or so. And I just can't speak highly enough for New Zealand cricket and uh, the players themselves and the way that they've handled themselves, conducted themselves. It's been very, very tough. You know, no, no complaining, getting on and doing the business, but, you know, living inside those bubbles for you know, almost, you know, continuous periods over the course of a year. It's very, very challenging. And, you know, we've had to sort of step up from a selection point of view as well. And you might remember we took a team off to, to Bangladesh and we intentionally uh, left most of the, what I'll call the big guys, off mm. to the side. And we took a more of a second string New Zealand A type team over there because we were very, very conscious about, you know, player well-being. And um, that was a a great development opportunity, actually, taking that team off to Bangladesh. And whilst they, you know, they lost that series, they equipped themselves, you know, pretty well. And there were some um, some good wins there. Well, sometimes you've got to lose them to make them, right? So they'll spend it to make it sort of situation. And people have to understand what the bigger picture is. I, I do wonder what what is the bigger picture now with, with the Black Caps or the BCs? I love how you throw that one out. The the BCs is it still all about Test cricket, Gavin? Uh, I don't think we can say it's all about Test cricket. I think what we can say is Test cricket is very, very dear to our dear to our hearts. Um, it's one form um, of the game, you know, one of one of three, and it's a it's an absolutely critical one. It's, it's and it's one we all cherish. So, I mean, holding that Mesa moment is is very, very special, and what the lads did over that two year period is um, going to remain in the in the memory banks for a, for, for a long, long time. But Stephen, you can't. You can't sit still. As soon as you sit still, you start sliding down the hill um, on the other side. So, you know, from a selection point of view, it's about succession planning. It's about looking out three to five years, uh, but not only just at Test Match Cricket, across the three formats. And I think that's probably what I'm most proud about at the moment is, you know, we've developed this depth across the three formats. You know, we've made World Cup 50 over finals. We've made a T20 final. would have been nice to... Have put one of those in the bank, I suppose, and then we've seen what we've done with Test match cricket. So all in all, it's you know we're not in too bad a shape. Is there is there pressure to play less Test cricket coming out of out of, out of the subcontinent? Um, sorry, sorry, how do you mean by is, that? Well, I, I sometimes wonder that the almighty dollar rules all, and and with the subcontinent having a a pretty healthy say in in cricket, is there? certain pressure to play less test cricket and more short, sharp versions of the game? Oh, look, it's, it's yeah, look, it's certainly one of the challenges um, that has been present now for, oh, gee, I'd say probably four to five years. Um, just the um, the intensity of the, of the scheduling um, and, and the, it's almost like a merry-go-round in a way. You know, the guys are on the road a lot. And, of course, everything's exacerbated now with the COVID um, situation. Um, the reality is it's not going to go away, Stephen. And uh, um, I, I guess the, the dollars that flow in off the back of short-form cricket, um, the ICC pinnacle events, as we call them, the World Cups, um, are very, very important, crucial, in fact, to New Zealand cricket to keep you know, the game healthy back here. So... That's the, that's the ultimate challenge for the administrators, for David White and Co and the New Zealand Cricket Board, is to get that mix right. And look, I think in a general, in a general sense, they do get it right. Um, we're not far off the mark. We'd all love to play a little bit more Test match cricket, but we're also very you know, cognizant of, you know, that, that, that balance has to be struck.
Okay, so I've racked your brain about what the year has been like and, and the good things. Now let's get a bit closer to home because we've got a test series starting to, <laughs> tomorrow at the Bay Oval. Uh, but I do want your thoughts on Ross Taylor, what his we, – we read the numbers. His numbers are ridiculous. But what you think his greatest contribution to New Zealand cricket has been? Well, it's quite a poignant moment, actually. And when I um, read the release, you know, when it came out yesterday, and I'd been privy to it a few days before as, as things were getting, you know, framed up for the release. And, you know, I started to reflect and, 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 and think about Ross and his, and his, you know, tenure in New Zealand cricket. And it's like that. Words almost escape me. He's a, and we don't like to bandy, you know, the words like legend and great around too much. But you know, Ross ticks those boxes big time. I mean, he is a superstar. Um, you know, 15 seasons of international cricket, Stephen, and the numbers, as mm. you've alluded to, just, I mean, they just roll off the tongue, and and, and there's nothing he really hasn't done. So look, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him big time. Um, was a massive decision for him to to to, to retire, um, and I just hope, I really do hope, you know, he gets some bangs out, some big runs, and and sees his time out in style. Do you think he you would could could consider him a classic cr- cricketer, not flash, just brilliant, and as a human being, not one to draw attention to himself, just that that humble hero. Oh, that 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 he is. There's no no doubt about that. Um, I mean, it was an interesting journey, and, and I was um, and I'm really interested to hear Ross yesterday when he was speaking and alluding to the um, the way he came into the game via you know ODI cricket um, at the time because T20 cricket wasn't around, and um, how he didn't think he'd play Test cricket. But look, we're talking about a guy who's played 100 plus Tests with a magnificent record, and that speaks you know just so much to his dedication and commitment to turning himself into, you know, literally a fantastic test match cricketer and a, a guy, as, as I've said, you know, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him big time. We, we, had, we do have some depth now, and I do hope we can, um, you know, backfill the, the massive hole that he's going to leave. But certainly the memories are going to be very, very strong. All right, let's talk about the current, the present. You've got a test tomorrow and the first against Bangladesh at the Oval. Uh, no Kane Williamson. How much does that take out of the side? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Is that, was that a nervous laugh? <laughs> well, just I, mean, I think we've all seen Kane over the last decade or so and what he's done. So I think we all know that he's a, you take Kane Williamson out of any New Zealand team. It's a massive, massive hole. Um, and we miss him, and we miss him big time, and we want him back on the, on the park soon. But we must get that elbow of his right. Uh, and, you know, I know Kane's very keen just to, to, to leave it now as long as it, it needs to be left so that when he's back, he's 100% fit mm-hmm. again. Uh, but what, what, what um, him missing, Stephen, leaves a, a massive opportunity. Um, and, you know, we've got the likes of, you know, Will Young, who's, who's right at the top of his game at the moment, who's, um, you know, going to take, take that spot. And I'm sure he'll, he'll make every post a, a winning post. So, just confirm your openers for tomorrow. Uh, well, we're looking at um, Latham, Young, Conway, top three, and then okay. Roscoe four, and then the rest will unfold from there. You you weren't tempted to th- uh, put Conway to open? Oh, 
look, he banged out 200 on test debut opening. <laughs> but no, no, we've, we've discussed that. And Gary, um, Gary went up front yesterday and, and noted that, um, that in probability, you know, Dev would, um, Dev would slide down to, to three to take Kane's, Kane's spot. And, and an all-out pace attack. Have you had a look at the wicket? Does it look uh, pace-friendly? Um, I've had a look at it myself. Um, Steady's up there, and I've spoken to him. Uh, it was um, it was it was nice and damp a couple of days ago. There had been some rain, and um, there's a big uh, there's a big hot expected up there for the next few days. So I know they were trying to keep the moisture in the in the pitch. So you know we would expect it to you know it'll dry out before um, before the first ball. Could be a good toss to win. Um, and we haven't been too flashed even in that, uh, in that space <laughs> in the recent past. It's probably nice to get the, 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 the coin coming down the right way. Mate, um, but yeah, we'll see how, how that turns out. Gavin, a small elephant in the room. Uh, the armchair critics think Ajaz Patel should have been in there someone, at least somewhere, just to celebrate in a summer of that, that wonderful moment. Uh, simply, are, are you sticking to the horses for courses plan? Oh, look, that was a, was a terribly difficult decision that one um but when we when we when we sort of i guess stripped the emotion away and we and we looked at how we were going to win these two tests but also our plan looking forward to south africa and two tests our, our mo hasn't changed Stephen, and we've done it and done it exceptionally well with four quicks um and and there's been very little spin bowling um in new zealand conditions so when we when we stripped it back we felt we just simply needed to stay with our our status quo um oh, i guess what i'm saying that there's you know there's no room for emotion and um i know gary had a you know a good long chat with with a jazz who is a fantastic human being and he took it exceptionally well he was he was gutted of course um but look a jazz will a jazz will come again we we, we know his skill set and um when we need to reach for him we, we definitely will be Oh, the joys of having such depth. How do you celebrate New Year's, Gavin? Uh, well, you might think this is going to be a bit, sound a bit boring, Stephen. I'm actually up in, um, in New Plymouth at the moment. I'll be at Pukekura Park um, this afternoon. I, I watched um, CD yesterday against ND, and I'm watching them play, CD play Canterbury today, and then I'm ducking down to the Basin tomorrow to watch a Ford Trophy game um, with one eye on the TV, of course. So... Tonight, I'd say a couple of quiet, cold ones, and then uh, probably retiring early. Okay, so you won't see that. You're, you sound a bit like me, actually. A couple of quiets and get into bed early and just not worry about it. Gavin, you are also generous with your time. The best of luck uh, for the squad tomorrow. Uh, uh, after the year that has been and, uh, and what has been achieved, uh, this team certainly deserved the support. Thanks, Stephen. Great, great chatting with you. Yeah, appreciate it. There you go. Uh, Black Caps, or as Gavin last would say, BC Selector. Like the no, so you threw one out, Brian. Eh? The BCs, the BCs. I'm going. Who are the BC? All oh, right, that's the Black Caps. The Black Caps. Okay, there you go. So quite. I, I wanted to have a chat to him about just the, sort of the front end of the and how they they work through uh, all the decision making. I, I left the obvious question to last about AJs because people want to ask about AJs, but. Uh, what I love about it is the brutal honesty and the brutal fact that their MO, their modus operandi, doesn't change. So they treat this as a business. Do you agree? Do you agree or should it be a little more emotion-based? You can feel free to call on 0800 150 That's 0800 150 
Now, and the other thing too. Now you've got Robbie in there. Robbie's Robbie is a. I got to talk. I'm going to have to defer to Robbie if you don't mind here. Now Robbie is a cricketing. Well, he just loves cricket, right? He's about twelve, but that's okay. But see. At, at ten, okay, okay. So, okay, so you're still a child. That's fine. Yeah, fair uh, enough. But, but Gavin Larson said that it would dry out. Now, in my humble experience, if a wicket dries out, it sort of favours spin. Yes or no? Um, yeah, I, I guess it can. It comes comes down to a lot of like cracks in the wicket as well. It tends to favour spin a bit more. Um, but yeah, it, it it's very it's very dependent on the wicket. Because if you're going to play somewhere like the bay, where there's a lot of sea breeze, it's going to dry pretty quickly. It's going to be hot, and you're sure you've got a bit of green on top. But the green doesn't last long, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it can do. We yeah. we've been known for very green wickets here, um, and I guess that has that is why we've we've gone with a predominantly pace attack. Okay, so 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 any thoughts of it drying out later in the test? Would still mean it was a, a redundant exercise to consider AJS Patel. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he if if we were going to pick a spinner, it would be him. Yes, obviously. Uh, yeah, and that and that that's the thing where they they seem very certain that our pace bowlers are going to do the job, and if they if they need a bit of spin, then they've got they've got the likes of Ravindra. Um, to bowl a bit of part-time. Just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, you got that batting depth as well. What do you make of the continued excellence? And I say Mr. Consistency, well, he's got plenty of wickets as well. Tim Southey, how good is he, right? How good does he continue to be? Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. It's just he's he's like he's like James Anderson in a sense where like he just he keeps getting older, he keeps taking wickets, and it's great. I mean, yeah, from a New Zealand cricketer's stan- uh, fans' standpoint, it's just absolutely amazing to see that we can just pick pretty much the same team, and it, yeah, we'll just keep performing. Where would you rather be right now, in the studio with Brian and chatting to me, or at the Bay Oval? <laughs> Oh, it's a tough one. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think the Bay Oval will just edge out, but it's great to be here. Yeah. Nonetheless. <laughs> yes, a little fib there. Of course, be the Bay Oval every time. It's 11.24. This is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. If you have thoughts on the makeup of the New Zealand team for the first test against Bangladesh tomorrow, feel free to give us a yodel, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. This is SENZ Summer Days. 11.29. This is Summer Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McCarver. You can hear us on the SENZ app anywhere, anytime, any who, wherever you are around Aotearoa, New Zealand, just hook it up and you can have your diet of sport whenever you want it. Otherwise, listen on your local frequency uh, and, and have a bit of fun with us as well. If you want to talk about anything that we had, we've had Dame Sophie Pascoe on this morning. What an, a great human being. Apart from being an, an enormously successful Paralympian, we've just been speaking to Gavin Larson, of course, the Black Cap selector, as he likes to say, the BCs, the Black Caps, the first test against Bangladesh tomorrow. He made some interesting calls, uh, but it was very strong about uh, the strength and depth of New Zealand cricket, and, and why wouldn't they be having holding that mace for being the inaugural test champions? But if you would like to play Stumped with Stephen, now is your chance. If you want to play Stumped with Stephen and be a winner, 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. See if you can stump Stephen on New Year's Eve. It is 11.31. Now, JD has normally done this for a long, long time, but now Brian, nervous Brian, gets to take control of Stumped by Stephen. Okay, so first and foremost, how are the nerves, mate? 
Oh, little sweaty palms. Palms are sweaty. <laughs> little sweaty palms. Got little hands. Little yeah, sweaty palms. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Time to play Stumped by Stephen. Here we go. Okay, so um, on the line we have Reed from Gorg. Reed, how are you, mate? G'day, Brian. How are you? Yeah. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Reed. How are you, mate? What's What's New Year's Eve in Gore looking like? Oh, I know. I've got three young kids, so it should be a pretty quiet night. I'd say we might shoot around to a barbecue at a friend's place and, um, and see where the night takes us. But, you, no, it should be. That sounds great. I mean, do you have much time off? What do you do down there? Oh, I'm a farmer, so, no, nah, just working through. How dry is it down your way at the moment? No, we've been pretty good, actually. We've had quite a bit of rain of late. It's a good, good year to be farming, actually. Oh, okay. So uh, am I am I right in an assumption of dairy or otherwise? Uh, dairy support, so not not as um, not not milking cows every morning at five anyway. Oh, that sounds bliss. All right, uh, I'm going to let Brian take over. Here we go, mate. All right, Reed. Uh, I think you've done this a couple of times before, as you know. Uh, three sporting categories. You get all three correct. You win the TAB fifty dollar bonus bet and the sleep drops. Now the categories today are combat sports, rugby league, or motorsport. <laughs> What are you choosing, yeah, I'll, Reed? I'll, I'll take Stephen on that one of his better ones, and I'll take him on that rugby league. Not his best, but I I, I, yeah, not my best. Yeah, well, actually, I, you know what's really interesting? Done rugby league for what 25, 26 years. Everybody thinks you're a guru. You know everything. I got a memory like a sieve. I do not have an elephant memory. So you might be in here, Reed. So here we go. All right, let's go. Okay, first question. Kiwi's great. Benji Marshall retired this year after playing 31, excuse me, 31 times for the Kiwis, winning the Golden Boot in 2010 and 346 games in the NRL, placing him eighth on the all-time list. What year did he take off to holiday in Auckland with the Blues? Oh, that would have been 2019. No, that is incorrect. Stephen, your turn. I'm going to... Oh, okay. So I'll take it back to 2016. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Oh No, it was uh, 2014. Oh, we both suck at that one. You're okay, so we're, we're both still alive, right? He's still alive, Reed? Oh, yeah, Reed's still alive. Right, you yeah. got that one wrong. The uh, <laughs> slip, slip through your gloves. 20, what was it, 2014? Yeah. Where has the time gone? I know, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, uh, second question. Most capped Kiwi of all time, Jake the Must, the Carver King Ruben Wiki ONZM, played 55 internationals, 224 times for the Raiders and 87 as a warrior. Known for running it hard and straight from the back fence, which chook did he leave, while trying to tackle him, did he leave out cold in the 2008 NRL playoffs? Oh, um, I'm going to have to go with Sonny. No, uh, Chuck, do you say? Which, which rooster, rooster? Which rooster player? Yeah, which rooster? Oh, huge there in the dark here. Yeah. Pretty footler. Feet everywhere. Body to And uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. No, over to you, Stephen. Oh, I was there at the game. I was there at the game. Um, Solomona. One of the Solomonas. <laughs> He's got him. He's out, Court. Unfortunately, you're wrong too, mate. 
Uh, Reed, you stay alive. The answer is Soliola. Ah! Sia Soliola. Sia Soliola, who's now at the camp. Oh, that makes my... Ah! Mate, you're doing all right there, uh, Reed, and haven't got one right yet. You're lucky our uh, keepers put butter all over his hands this morning. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. All right, uh, last question. Uh, this one is for the TAB $50 bonus bet. Uh, if you get this one correct, you also get the sleep drops. Now, there have been many high-scoring individual performances by Kiwis over the years. Sean Johnson scoring 24 points against France in 2013 with two tries and eight goals, or Hugh McGann's six-try effort in 83. But one man stands above all as most points in a test by a Kiwi with 32. Can you name the player? Um, I will say Stacey Jones. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. It's 0 from 3, but Stephen, uh, it's on you now, mate. Oh my gosh. You get this one wrong, he wins the uh, bonus bet. Yeah, yeah, 32 points in a test. So, what, what, what did, what did Reed, what was your answer, Reed? You said Stacey I, Jones. I, you I, said Stacey Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the only one I can think of, and this is really weird, is the ex-hooker who also kicked the Aussie boy, uh, Nathan, 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 Nathan. I'm done. Now, Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Oh, man. The is, answer. Yeah, is? Uh, you're going to kick yourself because it's uh, one of the biggest, you know, it's, it's a fam- It's a known name around the table for rugby league, Tessa Lavia. <laughs> 32 you points. You are kidding wow. me. Tessa Lavia. Tessa Lavia holds the Kiwis record. 32 points in one game versus uh, the Cook Islands at the 2000 World Cup. Two tries, 12 goals. Uh, okay, that's just that's they, just ridiculous. But guess what? You're a winner, Reid. <laughs> oh, no, thanks very much, team. <laughs> what? <laughs> I suppose that's not so bad. You get all three wrong, but you still walk out a winner. <laughs> Mate, two of us. <laughs> well, I don't win anything. Yes, no. So you get the $50 uh, bonus bet, but you miss out on the sleep jobs. New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. So uh, good luck. And uh, what do you put it on, Reed? What do you think? Oh, she's a big day at the races tomorrow in Ellerslie, so oh, I might have to have a wee bit of a look there. Yeah, well, if you tune into the good oil, uh, we'll be playing it. And then we've also got Mark Clayton on at, towards the end of the show. Oh, so nice. stay posted. He's going to surely give us a best bet. Awesome, and well done, Brian. You, you handled the mic very well. Awesome, thanks, mate. <laughs> Happy New Year, mate. Thanks for playing. Yeah. Happy New Year, team. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate this. Reed from Gore. He's a winner. Walks about the $50 TA bet. Remember to uh, bet responsibly, R18, and the whole nine yards. Man, I would never in a million years, Brian, have got to Cesar Levia, who went to the storm, didn't last too long. I thought That's was right. an incredibly gifted player. Yep. Incredibly gifted player. Where did he end up? He played in going rugby, right? He played up ended rugby. up in the north. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Dominating up there. Oh, okay. Is he, st- he wouldn't be playing now still. No, I'm sure well not, but he's probably still the involved. The Soliola one really gets me because I was there. That was the night we – it was 2008? Two, yes, yep. 2008. Yep. And that was, I think, the year of Steve Price – we were, it was the big year when Pricey was doing a hell of a lot, yeah. and uh, I think at that time I was still doing it with Ropo, right? Yeah, uh, Peter no, you were, you were. and we um, 
we did our opening down for Sky Sport down on the, in the tunnel and everybody was there and uh, Eric Watson, who was then the owner, was there and we interviewed him and honestly, the place was pumping. And so Steve... Steve Price loved a bit of theatre. That's what people don't really realise. He loved okay. the theatre. And he walked out and walked after doing the toss. Yeah. And then he walked around the ground. Honestly, it was a standing O. Yeah. It was one of the most unbelievable nights. And I know Freddie Fittler has at some time said it was one of the most memorable nights of rugby league he ever played. Because the place was heaving. And we beat him too. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and that, that, hit on, that hit set it up. Uh, yeah. Ruben came from the back fence, Soliola, and you were allowed to. And it was one of those where you were allowed to drop the shoulder in those days with the ball. With the ball, and it was an absolutely magical night. It was yeah. one of those great memories. You go, "Yep, I was there." So, okay, but it still doesn't mean I know anything about rugby league because I failed all three questions. It's eleven forty-one. This is SENZ Summer Days. Uh, what we will do coming up shortly, we'll uh, do a little ashes update and remind you how good one individual was in the third test. 11.46 on this New Year's Eve. Hmm, what's the sound? Turned up, Brian. Ah, I got my grass skirt on already. Got my maracas out, uh, just uh, shaking it around and maybe having a little bit of a, uh, what would I be having right now? A little pineapple and a rumbo. In a colada, no, there's a nice little drink you can have with a pineapple and rum. Oh, I'll tell you about that one later. No, 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 dark rum. It's got to be dark rum, you know. Yeah, that's a bit of this. 11.47. Just a reminder, coming your way after midday today, we talked to Jason Cameron, the event director for Athletics New Zealand, because uh, with uh, COVID restrictions loosening, they can get themselves into full gear over the summer, and there is a lot happening. Uh, we'll also hear from Devin Conway back in the test arena, and also uh, a, a, an interview that uh, Smithy did earlier this year on Sulu Fitzpatrick, the Silver Fern, and receiving the, uh, the, the highest achievement for a year's play, which is the lowest Muir Award. So we'll replay that after 12.30 today. Don't forget, after one great Alexander Rugby League royalty on the year that was of 2021 in the NRL. And around 1.30 today, we'll talk to Mark Clayton because, of course, restrictions off and vaccine people can now go to Ellerslie. So it'll be a big old New Year's Day at Ellerslie. In the meantime, a little bit of an Ashes update with Rosine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand, celebrating 75 years of Kiwi paint and colour. The Fourth test with the Ashes now retained by news uh, by Australia, January five through nine, and their coach is out with COVID. So there's been a lot of talk about would they go ahead, but they are going ahead with the SCG test, even though Omicron is sweeping its way uh, through New South Wales, but not really in many ways. And with people I talk to affecting daily life and hospitalizations are down. But it's uh, a summer team, and one friend says just like the bad flu, you wouldn't even know you've got it, and so they're feeling they can deal with it. But if you're an Englishman, what you're about to hear would be a nightmare. Beats him again. And he's given him. Bowling continuing on from last night's heroics. You'd expect a review. Impact is umpire's call. And he can hit the wickets. Umpire's call. Call. You're on screen now. Stay with your decision. 1.5 overs, 3 for 5, and a drop involved in that as well. Talk about MCG specialist Michael Hussey. Oh, and that was a good delivery.
finishes and well and truly in Australian's hands again. The skipper of England going for that drive. He's played it a few times today. He's just slightly shorter of uh, that half volley length. David Warner with no mistake. Boland now four wickets for five runs. Boland's now one away from a fifer here at the G. It's Mark Wood, who's a fighter. So you are a debutante in Test cricket at 32 years of age. You are a Melbourneian. You are in the Boxing Day Test at Melbourne, the MCG, and you win the Ashes series with figures of six for seven. And it all comes on the back of his assistant coach saying, "Mate, I know you took you know didn't great first innings. Just speed your run up a little bit. Six for seven. And man of the match, why Why wouldn't you be? That is something special. When you think about AJS Patel and his, you know, tenfer, though I call it a tenfer, it does sound silly, right? But but then you go see something like this and the Ashes has so much history involved to it. That's one of the specials. But we thought that was quite an appropriate Ashes update. The SCG test starts on the 5th and if you're an English supporter, you'd be just wanting to just close, close, close doors. Just go to sleep, sleep all the way through it, not want to think about it. With the way uh, things are going there, you can imagine it's going to be 5-0. and oh. Anyway, that's our Ashes update, brought to you by Resine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand, celebrating 75 years of Kiwi paint and colour. It's 11.52. 11.57. Oh, yeah, come on, turn it up. Oh, wow. A bit of Phil Collins and Genesis. I think this was when he was the Genesis or when he was solo. No, this is Sister Studio. It's a nice summer driving song. And if you are driving around Aotearoa, New Zealand right now, trust you're feeling good. Wherever you are, the window's down, the wind's blowing through your hair, and you're just loving a, the summer of 2021, almost 2022. Wherever you are, please make sure you are safe and sound and, you know, Behave responsibly tonight. And if you've got young teenagers out at some of the hotspots, uh, just remind them about trying not to be goofballs. i got a couple, and they, they know the rules, and, you know, just be careful who they hang out with. But it's a it's a good time of year to, in many ways, just forget about what's going on in the world and just soak up some sun and, and feel good about things. If you have missed the news, uh, well, just a reminder that we have two very famous dames now. And Dame Sophie Pascoe, who we heard from earlier today, one of the most revealing things she said was she said she was so determined to be a Paralympian that she sort of forgot about wanting a job. But her dream job at one stage was, quote, I wanted to be a checkout chick like all my mates. 
Uh, things have changed somewhat. Uh, she didn't reveal what, but she's intending soon to start her own business. And the other of our dames is our most successful. So we've got our most successful Paralympian and our most successful Olympian ever in Dame Lisa Carrington, who had this small statement to say. This is a huge honour. I feel incredibly humbled to be named alongside so many other amazing New Zealanders. It's special not only as an acknowledgement of the work I've done and the things I've achieved so far in my career, but it's also a tribute to all the people who support me in what I do. And hopefully on the 10th of January... Uh, Summer Days will have an interview with uh, Lisa. She's not doing any interviews uh, as far as we are aware. She's on the East Coast with Bucky, her uh, fiancé, and Colin the dog, and just having a good time. Sophie, meanwhile, has been pretty active today, and we were uh, were, uh, blessed to have an interview with Sophie, who was just one of those classic, just good human beings. And and you need good human beings in your life, like Karen, our newsreader, who was uh, uh, back in. Karen, how are you? Wait for it. I'm good. I'm waiting for my mic to come on. Oh, yes, well, I'm well, here. Don't, don't tap the mic. That's <laughs> tapping the fancy mic. Fancy meeting you here. Fancy meeting you. How's, how's your summer been so far? My summer's been pretty full on because I've been working mm-hmm. um, quite a bit through it, covering for people who are off on their mm. summer holidays. But had a lovely day, Christmas day with the fam. Mm, Enjoyed nice. some of that lovely weather. And I'm looking forward to a break. Um, but later on in January. Yeah. All right. Me too. I'm, I'm a bit like that too. But it's lovely to once again be in the same studio Jamming with you. All right, here we go. No, it's not to throw with Karen. This is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. If you want to discuss, have a jam about anything that we have been talking about in the last two hours, coming your way before one o'clock this afternoon. In just a moment, uh, one of Smithy's memorable interviews with Sulu Fitzpatrick, winner of the Lois Muir uh, medal or trophy, I think it is, uh, with New Zealand Netball. We'll also hear from Devon Conway on returning to the Black Caps and also hear from our triple world champion in WMX, that's women's motocross, uh, when she was in isolation only a week back, and that will be Courtney Duncan. So all this coming your way, and plus we'll figure out what happens next. But in the meantime, here's a look back, a listen back. Smithy talks to Sulu Fitzpatrick. Well, Silver Ferns defender Sula Fitzpatrick topped off a massive year by winning the Dame Lois Muir Supreme Medal at the Netball New Zealand Awards last night. She captained the Northern Mystics to their first ever ANZ Premiership title and was elevated to the vice-captaincy of the Silver Ferns. And uh, we're pleased to say that uh, Sulu joins us uh, now. Good morning to you, Sulu. Uh, the morning after, the night before, what, what a fantastic achievement. You must be absolutely thrilled. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, had a big night last night uh, getting the kids to sleep and in bed <laughs> uh, before 10, <laughs> but uh, uh, feeling very grateful. How did, how did uh, your family react? Because, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much an inclusive award. Uh, it's, a big, it's a big crew you've got there. A massive crew. Um, I think, oh, much the same, I think. Uh, my, my children uh, uh, just were just they were more concerned about what was for dinner um but uh, my family are very proud um and i think more so because they know it's been a a collective effort um and it's been a very very long journey so uh yes very happy 
What a year. I mean, Teresa wins the gold medal at the Sevens. You win this uh, Dame Lois Muir medal for the Supreme Award. Man, uh, Fitzpatrick family have had uh, a golden year. Uh, oh, I think sport um, comes and go, you know comes and goes with its moments. So we're really enjoying this time, um, but I think it's probably more a reflection of years of of the tough stuff and the hard grind. Um, and that's not just for us; that's for a lot of people and a lot of um, not just athletes, but a lot of families. Um, so we're really enjoying the moment, but also understand that it's just a moment in time. And um, so looking forward to working really, really hard to make sure we can be better for next year. Well, Sula, you're a great story because uh, you've been very open and honest about you, you've had your struggles with, with certain things uh, away from uh, netball, of course. Um, but but you've, you've come out uh, the other side of it, which is great. And, and we continue to hear on a day-to-day basis of problems, uh, particularly with uh, women's, sports, women's sporting people. So uh, I think you must be very satisfied that, that you're able to make that journey through. Uh, yes, very grateful. Um... And sport is, uh, like I said, it's, it's n- generally never a fairy tale. Um, it looks nice and uh, glamorous for some on the outside, but a lot of the time, it's it's full of a lot of um, a lot of struggles. And I think for myself as well, so many self-imposed and um, self-imposed issues off the court. Um, so I think it's a reflection that you know, it, if you just keep getting up and keep trying, you. Um, and I, and with the support of a lot of people that, that you don't know what's going to come next. So I'm really proud um, in terms of where this journey is at the moment. Um, but also understand that it, it's, there's been some tough times. And I think it's really important that people are learning to share share their, um, not just the good stuff, but also share their struggles and, and for people to know that it's, it's not all glamorous. And But also to understand that there is a way out and a lot of that comes with sharing and being open and vulnerable. So, yeah, I mean, like a lot of people, you, you reached a point where you could have gone either way, I guess. I mean, even uh, Israel Dag that works for us, uh, he, he's a youngster. He said, I could have gone one way or the other and thank God I chose the right way. What was the deciding point do you... Can you remember that said, I've got to go back to netball, I've got to go back to team? Uh, I think there's, a, there's uh, probably at 25 is when I personally made that decision to, to make those changes. It was probably more lifestyle changes um, off the court. Um, a lot of the time I was relying on things like alcohol and food to, to fill that void that that was a, that where I was struggling within. Um, but before that, um, it was definitely a village effort. Um, so had it not been for my family and close friends and a lot of mentors, um, then that journey would have ended uh, many times. I'd say there's probably three or four times where I was ready to retire or um, not going to be selected for a team um, in terms of my career. So um, that's a reflection of them, their support. Um, and... Like it definitely takes a village because no athlete um, has been successful without a good village. So I'm really, really um, grateful for them. I mean, you've just gone, not come back as a participant, though, Sula. You've come back as a leader. Uh, you know, I mean, you've made uh, the complete uh, turnaround, and you're now in a position of authority, of leadership, of guidance. So uh, and that's even, I think, a, 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 a crowning glory on the story. 
Oh, thank you. I, I, I'm learning about a concept that's called fellowship, so I'm learning to embrace that and understanding that everyone has a role or a time to lead, um, but also um, understanding that the best way is to, to bring out the strengths in others and to really embrace that. So I'm hoping that people learn to actually see that value in themselves because that's something I never saw for years and never really embraced. Um, so um, we're really working to, to encourage that and for girls to and women to just back themselves and put their hands up and be proud of who they are rather than shying away and hiding from their strengths, um, but instead um, learning to express it and, and share it with, with others, not just on the court, but also just in life. One of the great things about this award, the Dame Lois uh, Muir Medal, uh, Sulu, is, uh, is the fact that it's voted on by coaches and your peers, your fellow players. Uh, I think that probably makes it even more special than perhaps a, a judging panel of journalists, etc. Um, it's really important um, for me to acknowledge, acknowledge the team, and I think it's a reflection of other values that Noel has installed in the team, um, and, which is pure values, and understanding that everyone has value and everyone... Everyone has their strengths, and she welcomes us in our good, bads, and uglies. And I'm really grateful that the team loves me for my uglies because there's a lot of them. Um, mm. So I love being a part of this team, um, and I also am really proud to wear that silver friend. Okay, well, speaking of that, uh, Sulu, it starts again with a, a camp coming up next week as you begin uh, a whole new season with, of course, the Commonwealth Games in mind. A lot of uh, netball before that, though. So you, are you ready to get kick started again? Yes, I, I'm definitely ready. I've got a lot of fire in the belly. Um, the goal is to just take it moment by moment because, um, you know, cause if I look too far ahead, I might get a bit too ahead of myself. So take it moment by moment. Uh, working into camps next week, so that should be fun to see everyone in person and to just um, for everyone to push each other to put their hands up to see who can go to January. Um, and then for all of us to battle it out to bring out the best in each other leading into that Com Games. I think it's going to be really tight, the competition, and it's going to be really tough, but I'm really happy that um, whoever's meant to be there, um, that we can push each other to get um, the right people there um, in August. Well, as soon as you've uh, finished your, uh, your Christmas dinner this year, you're basically uh, off to London for a quad series, four games in five days, England... Uh, Australia and South Africa. If you want competition, you can't ask for much better than that. Uh, yes, uh, looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's going to be really nice to get some internationals and to get it all in one week. Um, I think it's going to probably be a shock to the system, but um, also something that we really look forward to. Uh, we've probably got a lot, of, as athletes, we've got a lot of pent-up energy and com um, competitiveness that we haven't really been able to unleash, so I think that's going to be really fun. Um, in January, but also it's going to be a good gauge of where we're at um, in the build-up um, into the Com Games later in the year. Where do you think you are at? Uh, you know, we, we've only really got uh, the series against the men and uh, the, the very quick series against England to reflect on in terms of international netball lately. Uh, where do you think you've finished up Thanks. 2021 at as a unit? I, I feel that we're in this transition phase, so I'm really happy with where we're at right now. Um, we're not at our all-time best, but we're at our best right now, and so we're really embracing that and understanding that uh, there's going to be a bit of teething in terms of um, people getting comfortable with being in the international series, also embracing the pure values and seeing what that looks like for this group in this moment of time. Um, we're looking forward to welcoming back our mums our mamas, um, so they'll bring another 
another level of not just experience but also nurturing um, for those younger players. So really looking forward to seeing what the mix of uh, what that mix looks like. Well, a competition, it's the competition. You're talking about the likes of, of course, of, of Kayla Johnson, Phoenix Karaka. I mean, that's just going to add uh, a competition, a lot more experience into the competition for places. And surely that's a very, very healthy thing. Oh, yes. And I'm also really happy for them. They're good friends of mine, and I grew up playing with them um, when we were young kids. Um, so to see them um, not just flourish as mums, but also to make the decision to come back, I think is really important. And it's also, uh, I think it's a good precedent that we're, they're laying for other people who want to be mums and athletes, because it's quite, it's a difference for, you know, in that play sport. Um, it's, it's, it takes a lot, lot out on the body. Um, so to see them come back and come in form, I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope that they put their hands up next week and get that opportunity to uh, be back in the victory. Sulu, we live in uh, weird times, of course. We've all gone through the, the COVID procedure and now we're going through the, the VAX, the anti-VAX procedure. Uh, and, uh, of course, um, it's, a, it's important, I think, for role models and, and people in um, and profile positions to, to make a, an open stance one way or the other on that. Um, what, what about your stance uh, on that from, you know, from a mother's point of view, from a, you know, if, you know, from a team's point of view? How do you view it? For me, uh, I, I am vaccinated and I made that choice uh, with the help of a lot of people. I was quite hesitant to begin with, uh, but I, mm. I genuinely feel very strongly that it's a personal choice um, and that people, I do feel that people have the right to, to make an educated and informed choice for themselves. And I don't feel that it's my job to tell anyone what they have to do that's right for them. I do encourage people to to find, you know, to do their research and also um, to reach out to people that, that, I guess, are experts and so that they can make a good decision for them and what's right for them and their family. Um, and so I'm just hoping that regardless that we're all just being kind to each other because I've seen a lot of division uh, between mm. people. So I'm hoping that we remember that we're people first and I feel really strongly about that because it actually really hurts my heart to see that people are turning on each other um, not just in the sport, but just in life. So uh, first and foremost, just to be kind to each other. Um, and, yeah, I think that's probably the best thing we can do to keep each other safe and and just, in general, just be happy. Hey, look, Sulu, really wise words. Uh, appreciate your sentiments on, on that issue because it's not an easy one, but thank you for, for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations. Absolutely amazing achievement that it's really to be... Uh, Crown New Zealand's Premier Netballer of the Year. It's, 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 it's a great story, and uh, I congratulate you for it. And I uh, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, all the best next week when the girls get together, eh? Oh, thank you for having me, uh, and hope you have an awesome Christmas. Uh, and you too. You too. A great family Christmas. Thank you so much. Ian Smith talking earlier this year with Lewis Muir medal winner Sulu Fitzpatrick. That quad series is January 15, 16, 18 and 19 at the Copper Box Arena in London. It'll all be live on Sky Sport 1. Devon Conway is next. 12.22, this is Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McIver. <laughs> you know how to make this man happy. You know how to make this man happy. Turn this puppy up. Yeah!
Oh, that's enough. That's enough. I'm getting carried away, but you can pour some sugar on me, baby. <laughs> All righty. Test number one between the Black Caps and Bangladesh tomorrow, Bay Oval in Mount Maunganui. If you're over there, have a really good time. Remember to slip, slop and slap. It's a beautiful part of the world is uh, Mount Maunganui in the Bay of Plenty. And one man that is coming back into the test arena is Devin Conway. He joins us right now. Mate, welcome back. How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling good. Thanks, Steve. Um, pretty excited, you know, to be back with the boys in the squad. And, um, yeah, potentially playing tomorrow on the first. So, um, yeah, very excited. Yeah, some talk of you playing first drop. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy sort of playing wherever. You know, I think um, it's just another great opportunity to be involved and and um, express, you know, express myself here in the test setup. So, um yeah, it's going to be pretty pretty awesome to, to sort of see that all unfold. So pretty happy with how things are going. When you look back at the incident, we'll call it the incident, um, what do you put that down to? You've talked about not the, not, not the best way to show frustration. Yeah, I think it was obviously a moment of stupidity, really. Uh, just sort of sort of got caught up in the, in the heat of the moment and probably wasn't thinking clearly. But um, it was also a little bit freaky. I think, you know, a lot of guys these days do get away with punching their bats and nothing really happens but um you know it was a a quick lesson for me to learn not to to sort of show that frustration in that moment and um yeah just one of those things i'll probably regret for a long time but (laughs) we just have to get on with it and i learned from it very quickly how much stick have you been getting from the lads yeah quite a fair bit i think a lot of the guys say i've got sort of glass bones um (laughs) you know they say i've I've, I've also got pretty average gloves as well. So, um, yeah, those luckily those jokes are dying out a little bit now. So, um, yeah, we, we, they seem to be moving on from it. Can I ask you now the confidence uh, with the bat in hand? Because I just wondered that that two-ball duck in the, for the New Zealand eleven was that a – were you tentative about batting? No, not at all. Um, you know, I think that was just um, a little bit of rustiness. You know, I haven't been batting or haven't played for, you know, eight, eight or so weeks. And, um, yeah, just made a little decision error early on and unfortunately caught the outside edge, caught to the keeper. Um, so, yeah, I uh, just got to move on from that. And I think it's just a nice little welcome back to cricket again. I, I just wonder, is it a frustrating type of injury to work through? Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, for the, for six weeks I was in a, in a splint where, you know, I wasn't able to do anything and, um, you know, sort of like just had to try and, be patient and wait for the bone to recover itself, and then, um, and then after w- all that time in the splint, you obviously lose a lot of power and strength um, within your the muscles that, of your hand, and and as a batter, you know your hands are very important to grip the bat and stuff like that. So um, it, it is a very uh, patient um, sort of time and a little bit frustrating, but you know you've got to get through that. And um, yeah, thankfully the the strength and the grip strength and all that sort of thing has sort of come back come back to where it, where it used to be. I don't want to harp on it, Devin, but it intrigues me, not not being a batter or a, or a cricketer. How do you strengthen that with that, that injury? Yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, I went to the hand rehab clinic and they gave me a few uh, sort of toys to play with. Um, so like there's um, like these putty balls that can sort of like, um, you can just sort of squeeze. You've got like these um, sort of plastic, mm-hmm. plastic um, sort of, sort of balls that you can squeeze as well so you just got to just get into it and just try and squeeze and get that strength going and then and then luckily with batting as well when you're hitting balls you're, you're my, for me my top hand is very important so um, it makes me having to squeeze the top hand as hard as possible as well so 
um, that that strength comes back a lot quicker than you think, which is ideal for me. How much motivation is there in the squad now knowing that Ross is uh, calling it quits? Yeah, there's lots of motivation. You know, I think it's um, it's, it's a tough time, you know, a little bit with um, Ross, with him leaving, leaving after this test series. You know, I think a lot of guys really do appreciate playing alongside him. Um, so the motivation is really high to sort of send him on his way on a high and um, just really appreciate the time that we spend with him um, on and off the field. You know, some of the jokes around, you know, even the warm-ups allowing him to sort of kick the first soccer ball and, um, you know, <laughs> do what he sort of wants to. So, it's, um, yeah, the guys are really keen to get around him as much as possible over the next two tests. What does a batsman like you draw from someone like Taylor? I think just his experience, you know, the way he approaches, um, you know, his game and, and how to attack the opposition in his way. So, um, yeah, you can always lean on him, you know, for advice. He's always willing to to, to talk and, and help out where he can. Um and yeah, I think just a good guy to have in and around the setup. So um, it's nice. It's nice that I've had the opportunity to play, um, you know, a couple of games alongside him, and 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 hopefully I'll get two games to play with him and try and absorb as much information experience from from him over the next couple of weeks. Test is not too far away. Have you had a look at the wicket? Is it to your liking? Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't had a proper look at the wicket. Um, I'll have a look at it today at top up training. Just try and have a have a, have a see what it's all about. Um, my understanding it is fairly green, but you know sometimes um, the look of the pitch is, is not exactly how it's going to play at times. So um, I'll have a look at it today, and hopefully it's a nice one to bet on, and hopefully Just, we can score heaps of runs. Will it be a quiet New Year's Eve for the squad? Yeah, unfortunately, you know it's one of those times in the in the year where you know you can't really send it tonight, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think we'll be sensible around it, try and prep as, as best we possibly can for the start tomorrow, and. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll be seeing it into the new year. I think sleep for me is very important, especially when you're about to play five days of cricket in some, some warm, <laughs> sunny weather here in the mount. So, um, yeah, I'll just take it easy tonight, I reckon. Devon, it's nice to have you back. Uh, happy New Year and good luck for the test. Thanks a lot, Steve. You, you take care and happy New Year to you too. Devon Conway, Black Cap, ready to bat at number three in the first test against Bangladesh starting tomorrow at the Bay Oval. What was the one phrase that uh, stood out? It's all about the squeeze. It's all about the squeeze. <laughs> Twelve twenty-nine. I wonder what happens next, Brian. Yes, Stephen. So, uh, <laughs> just quickly here. What happens next? Oh. <laughs> all right. So, I'm going to trigger off a uh, a clip here very, very shortly in the next couple of seconds. You need to guess what happens next. Text double eight double three. Uh, Stephen will be going up against you. The listener. Okay, now it's for a $50 bonus bet. Now, please, Stephen, think, have a think about this. What happens next? No doubt that for whatever reason, in the early phase of these restarts, the HRT car is not quite comfortable in his own. There you have it. Do you want to hear it again? Would you like to hear it again? One more. For whatever reason, in the early phase of these restarts, the HRT car is not quite comfortable in Someone's its... Oh! oh, you got me. It's a Bathurst one. It's got to be a Bathurst one. I'll leave it at that. I'm not sure. Well, HRT, you're on the right so track. HRT, right, Holden Racing. They haven't been around for a while, so that's, that is an old Bathurst one. All right. Johnny Max in the house there, buddy. Woo! It's 12.30.
This is SNZ Summer Days lying in the gutter. That could be some of you if you're not careful after a heavy night of celebrating on New Year's But if you are going to end up there, please just do it quietly. Stay out of the way of people and look after yourself, but also look after your mates tonight, all right, if you're going to get on it. And, and please, just one thing, do not hop in a car. Be some, have some sensible people around you. It's 12.33, SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. As we uh, go back to a conversation we had just before Christmas with our three-time WMX world champion, Otago's very own Courtney Duncan. It was just before Christmas, and she was hoping to get out and spend Christmas with her fam in Dunedin, but then someone turned up, uh, I think it was the Omicron, and they had to extend her day, her stay in MIQ, just after Christmas Day, and we got her on the phone because she's uh, such a good sort and just asked her, how are you doing, mate? Hey, mate, how's it going? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, oh, I'm not too bad, eh? I'm not too bad. I think I'm just uh, grateful to be home back in Kiwi land, even if it is uh, a few days later than expected to see the family. How hard was it to finally get that spot off uh, Sport New Zealand? Were we, I saw you doing a bit of a ticket tour around Europe and spending time in Italy. Was it more about just filling time but really wanting to come home? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, as soon as I won the championship, I think my mind switched to wanting to come home. You block it out for the year as you've got a job to do, and once that job's done, you kind of want to pack your gear up and get on the plane and get home. But like you say, unfortunately, that wasn't um, an opportunity for me right at the start. So uh, I did some turkey touring and looking around. And, uh, no, I did have a good time, though, still. Well, you deserved it after another stunning season. When you're, when you're an athlete overseas and in the world that we live in now, how strong is the draw of home? Yeah, no, it, it is tough. It is tough, and I think because the current circumstances overseas you do have to kind of lock yourself up at times and isolate yourself just because you can't really attract the COVID situation otherwise you're out of competition so um, there's times that you miss home but honestly just that opportunity to be a world champion and putting in the work day to day kind of kept my mind off it most of the time. You know, I was thinking about this. You look back on the three titles, right? You went back to back to back, 19, 20 and 21. If the cards had fallen your way, we actually could have been talking six worlds because there was the rogue photographer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, think about it, right? The rogue photographer on the track in 2016, a bad call by the officials in 2017. Then you got your foot injury in 2018. So you had to wait all these years to finally say, actually, I'm better than a lot of you as it is. How did that three years of frustration build your resistance and your resilience? I honestly, I think it shaped me to to who I am today as a person and an athlete. And like you say, potentially it could have been six. But I think if I had it come straight through as a you know rookie and one straight off the bat, I wouldn't have had the same life lessons and experience behind me that's been able to kind of bring me to these last three. So um, no, I, I think even with everything that comes with winning, I think just. I would have taken the lessons I've learned in those three years and definitely, you know, been a huge help with the last couple. You see, in, in your game, talent is everything, but also mental toughness is, is the other big player. What did you have mm-hmm. to teach yourself about being tough mentally after those initial three years? Just, yeah, you're right. It's, it's huge in our sport and in international sport. It's, I think it's like 70, 80%, honestly. You're all talented, you all work hard. It's, it's who's mentally strong and can kind of bridge that gap. And, um, yeah, no, I, I did have that right from the beginning as a kid. And, um, 
I had a lot of confidence and I think those three years where I failed, that knocked it from me and um, the most important thing was just being kind of true to yourself and not listening to so much outside support because there were times where I got wrote off and, you know, the kid that had the speed but was never going to, you know, pull together a championship. So um, from that side of things... Sorry, that was just a fun. Um, I just had to remember, you know, why I'm here and that I was tough enough to make it no matter what anyone else thought. But, Courtney, do you have mental exercises you do on a weekly basis? They could be ringing to say you can get out. Do you want to answer, do you want to answer that call quickly? <laughs> no, it's okay. They're not calling. <laughs> just them off the hook. <laughs> so... <laughs> mental exercises you go through on a, a weekly basis to to give yourself the edge? Yes and no. I think uh, I, I do do a lot of study around that. I, I do look into it. I do kind of try to align myself with other athletes that are mentally strong and being able to break through and see what they're doing and apply that to my own work. And um, honestly, it is, it's all on yourself, though, if, if you can make that happen. And um, it can be selfish and, and caught as you know, an arrogant aspect at times, but I try to just keep it that sort of attitude when I put the helmet on and be my normal self um, when it's off. So the, the, the fun thing about being world champion, you get a golden helmet, don't you? Yes, yes. i got a couple of them now, so um, no, should... that, that's cool. Well, you should have three, right? Not a couple. You should have yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, sorry. i got three of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're a three-time champion. You're a three-time champion, not a two-time champion. Have you, got, have, you, have you got it in your kit bag at the moment? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. I made sure that was first pack to come home. I mean, come home with no clothes, but I come home with my helmets and my medals <laughs> and stuff. So uh, paying price for it now when there's no washing, though. I'm uh, running low on the clothes. Well, we just oh my gosh! Who's your, who's your who's your kid sponsor? Get them to throw some stuff at you. <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know. Hey, um, I, I read this morning you're out of contract with your current team. Uh, where are we at with that? Yeah, that's still um, in the pipeline and stuff. Obviously, I can't go into much details. Nothing's been um, finalised or come through. But uh, let's hope uh, I have something in the new year. I would say to be able to announce. So. Um, yeah, we can hang tight till then. <laughs> so that was the biggest palm off you've given me in a, lo- in a long, long time. Can- <laughs> <laughs> I can't say too much. That's the thing. I'll get in trouble. Oh, no, while. that's okay. That's okay, mate. But uh, are we expecting you to s- stay where you are? I'd like to think so. I'd yeah. like to think so. Obviously, for, for me, it's it's not just the team. It's, it's all my friends I align myself with, I think. You can even look to, to Monster. They've been around a long time. Um, and some other partners of mine that we like to build long-term relationships if we have, you know, that loyalty. And um, especially if you have the same vision, I think, and, and the same mindset to be successful and you both get along well, then there's no reason to change. Do you see yourself now becoming a role model for young women? Because I, I like I like to think maybe role model is is, is a hell of a responsibility, and I, I like the word hero because kids look up as as individuals as heroes. How would you like to consider yourself now that you have done what you have done and will continue to do? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'd like to be able to see you know myself as, as a role model and a leader for you know young girls or just young athletes in general or young kids in general, whether they're athletes or not, to kind of 
follow with the, the same positive attitude and mindset towards whatever they want to do and um yeah, hopefully I can lead by example. You know, when you went into the final round, you didn't actually have to win that, that last race. You just had to place nicely. Is that a maturing of you as a racer knowing just get, do it by the numbers? Don't try and be the, you know, the rock star all the time. Yes, yes, 100%. And obviously that's one of the things that I've been able to learn through. Ultimately, actually, the mistakes made in the first few years. You know, I didn't need to win them all and I didn't need to win from the first lap, put it that way. So um, obviously if the win's there, you take it. I mean, if I could go on and win 12 races out of 12 for the year, I would be, I want to take that. But if they're not quite there, they're not quite yet there. The end, of the, go- the end of the year, you know, the goal is to be world champion. So... Um, yeah, maturity's definitely helped in the last couple of years. How much tougher was this one as opposed to the first two? Uh, they were all different. They were just all different. The first year, the year itself was, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy, but it just felt like everything kind of fell into place for me and went my way. Um, to get there, obviously, another story, but the year itself in 2019 was smooth. And um, 2020 and 2021 had their own hurdles, I would say, their own challenges along the way. Um, 2020, I had that massive crash and resulted in the DNF, which left me pouring back points. And then obviously this year I had pretty um, difficult round in the sand. I lost a lot of points there. And then obviously I had quite a big crash in Spain. Um, but all in all, it was a relatively good year. And I think actually this year, out of all my years, I've been able to demonstrate more of a a championship, a champion approach and mindset and just be able to kind of control the situations better. It's such an unkiwi thing to do, isn't it? Go and knowing you're the champion and behave like a champion because we all like to be humble, but just quietly you're going in, you're going in with a swagger, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I mean, I think that was part of my mindset in the last race. Like I, I finished third, got the championship, and then I went to the line and I got to run the gold helmet and the gold plate and I wanted to go out there and put it, you know, out front where it was meant to be and... Um, we always like to win, don't we? Can I just say, can I just compliment you, by the way? Uh, we saw the vision of the awards. I have never seen you in a dress. Uh, I've only ever interviewed you in a race suit. And might I say, very nice, my dear, very nice. So is it is it nice to just be normal and just not wear race suits all the time? <laughs> I appreciate that. No, uh, probably a lot of people haven't saw me in dress. There's not uh, too many days I, I get dressed up like that, I must say. But to be fair, I kind of enjoy it. I enjoy to, um, yeah, glamour up here and there. So, uh, no, and in Monaco, Monaco of all places, right? Oh, what was that like? What's my, I've never been, so what's Monaco like, man? Yeah, it's cool. It, it's really cool. It's a place that you definitely want to um, go past. Probably not much for me to do in the shops here everything's like yeah pretty pricey but despite that the awards and like the evening and was really special and um, no definitely uh experience of a lifetime shall I say did you rub shoulders with any heroes at the awards yeah there was cause obviously we had quite a lot of the discipline so Fabio the um, moto GP champion was there that was quite cool to see him um Really cool guy, actually. And, uh, yeah, just like uh, World Superbike champion Jonathan Ray, obviously I know Johnny through Kawasaki and stuff. So it was cool to kind of catch up with some mates and different disciplines that you don't get to see throughout the year. And, um, 
Yeah, no, it was a good good evening for sure. Courtney, it's not a bad life for all the hard work, right? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I was sitting here and got the news in MIQ and it got pushed back, obviously, after Christmas. But like you say, I think this year has just been amazing for me to win another world championship, travel the world, um, do some amazing things. Like like you say, life is not bad, so there's nothing to complain about. No, you're right. Well, I can only wish you a happy Christmas. I hope Mum and Dad maybe sneak you in a, a better a better Christmas dinner than MIQ. Who knows what happens then? But uh, Murph and I follow you, of course, every week on Sky Speed. We love you, mate. Uh, you you make us proud. You make this this country proud with your attitude and the way you do things. So thanks for being you. Thanks for being a good sport as always and taking the Mickey because that's always a bit of fun too. You can have my job when I'm done because I know you want it. Uh, you, you've, you've, you've been quite open about that. You want my job? That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that but uh hey happy christmas and uh, i'm just really looking forward to you get out and go and be with your your family and donors mate awesome no, i appreciate the support from you guys as well and uh it's always good to catch up so anytime mate all right there you go happy christmas mate thank you courtney duncan is i gotta say is about two foot six she's really tiny and she's throwing these big bikes around and when you look at the tracks they have to race on you you look at the fields of our 30 riders and she is a three-time three-time world champion back to back to back that is no mean feat and you know they say about champions they're always good people Courtney Duncan is a good human being so now it's time to figure out the age-old question what happens next for the $50 TAB bonus bet Stephen do you have any ideas? Would you like to hear it again? Or? I, th- I think it's a Bathurst. That's as best I can do. And when HRT, Holden Racing, they haven't been around for a while, so it's an older Bathurst. But we've got had heaps and heaps of texts in. Uh, one of them uh, is from Andre. He says, Murph takes out Ambrose in the exchange phone numbers afterwards. Ooh. Andre. So uh, uh, let's have a listen and see if he's right. For whatever reason, in the early phase of these restarts, the HRT car is not quite comfortable. In Someone's oh, gone! Ambrose has had a massive shunt. Ambrose has had a massive shunt. So Greg Murphy's involved. More cars. The track is jammed. The track is jammed. And look at this. The track completely blocked. Okay there, it could be game over. The cars are getting through. Cars are getting through. They may not red flag it. Murphy is out of the car. Ambrose stepping from the car. Did these two tangle? And watch this. Look at these guys. It's on. Murphy and Ambrose. These two do not like each other. And they are going to have some serious words. Look at this. They are two heated men. They are two heated competitors. Can you believe this Super Cheap Auto 1000? Has ended like this. Well, it's not over yet. Oh, <laughs> chills, mate. I still remember it. I remember it, and Murph, it just. Oh. Murph hates it. He hates talking about. It. But I, I saw a press conference with them uh, at one stage in that season, mate. They, I think they genuinely disliked each other. I saw Murph have a go at him, and f bombs were dropping left, right, center. And this isn't a press conference, and it was. It is something that is needed in. Uh, motorsport, and I think it needs to come back into supercars, is this heated, angry rivalry uh, because... 
they're all too nice, a lot of these guys. They're all just too PC and nice. And I'm going, boys, if you don't like someone, tell them you don't like them because that's what draws fans to uh, the sport. But it happens in, it happens in NASCAR. When they go and punch, they have a crack. They have a crack. They get out of the car. They're, they're into the garages in the whole nine yards. So, yes, Andre, you are a winner. We'll get in touch with you. Uh, you pick up the $50, was that, a $50 TAB voucher for have a crack on the New Year's Day races. We'll talk to Clado after 1 o'clock about that. But don't forget, coming up uh, after 1 o'clock, uh, regularly royalty Greg Alexander from the Penrith Panthers. Uh, stick around. This is SNZ Summer Days. Sport. Heading towards 1 o'clock news. Coming your way after 1 o'clock, after Johnny Mac d- delivers all the goodness. There better be plenty of goodness in the news and sport at 1 o'clock, Johnny. Uh, we'll hear from Greg Alexander, former Penrith Panther Premier in 1991, member of the Penrith Panther Board. And give us a rundown of what he thought the year of 2021 was like in the world of rugby league. And uh, can't, does he think that the Penrith Panthers can go back to back in 2022? We'll also get his thoughts on how we think the Warriors might fare. They've picked up a couple of new players and uh, what their real chances are. Also, we'll hear from Clado about the Clado. Such an Aussie thing. Clado, we're from Clado, about uh, what to look forward to in the New Year races. So there is a lot to look forward to coming your way. And if you feel like being part of the conversation, you know what the number is. It's 0800 150811. 0800 150811. Get amongst it on New Year's Eve here on SENZ. This is SENZ Summer Days at 103 on New Year's Eve 2021 as we head into a brand new year of 2022. There's one man that I know loves a little bit of rock and roll. I'm sure he can shake and bake as well. And that is Rugby League Royalty, a premier in 1991. And he's now part of the board of the Penrith Panthers. And his team are the premiers again. Greg Alexander joins us right now. Hey, Greg. Stephen, great to talk, mate. Uh, what, What was that? I said, it's great to chat. Great oh, it's to great talk. to chat. I thought, you, I thought you were saying you're out there dancing again, like you're getting, getting those. No, no. <laughs> actually, actually, I was just throwing the rubbish in the bin. It's bin, it's bin day, and I'm, I'm a little bit late, but uh, <laughs> he hasn't arrived yet. So, Oh, that's, that's, uh, all good. that's brilliant. How's the family, man? Family's good. Yes, family's good. We've had our, our COVID challenges over Christmas, which has oh. uh, sort of put us in, you know, um, hasn't been a great Christmas because we've all been locked in, but um, we're just we're just about free. Yeah. So look, what's the story there? I've talked to a friend in New South Wales. I mean, the cases numbers are ridiculous. But oh, from your experience, I mean, has anyone caught it? The Omicron is it is it just mild? I mean, can you give me any insight into this? You know what, Stephen? Until until the fifteenth of December, until they opened up, when when they just said, look, all bets are off, unvaccinated, everyone's free, uh, QR codes are cancelled, you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, up until then, I, I didn't know that many people that had had COVID. I, I, I don't think I knew anyone that had had COVID. Now I know. Now everyone I know has COVID, and and that's all happened, you know, in in the space of two and a half weeks. I I went to uh, my son uh, is working for Fox, and he was flying the drones for the uh, for the cricket test oh, in wow. Adelaide. And he came back on the Saturday. He spent five days in Adelaide at the first test and uh, came back on the Saturday and we just happened to be all out at uh, Mark Guy's house, out at my sister's house, MG's, Mm -hmm. all all the cousins were catching up. So we spent the weekend out there. Uh, Unbeknownst to us, Liam caught COVID in South Australia who only had a handful of cases. He caught it, brought it back. Um, We we all got infected. Everyone's been, uh, the the Alex Sender slash Guy 
um, wow. household has been in, in lockdown uh, over Christmas, and it is everywhere. Everyone's everyone's got it. But like it's just crazy. Yeah, but the, I think that what we're concerned about here, we've had a potentially. I know that sounds silly. One or two, uh, two potential cases in the community. Uh, yeah. Is it mild? What what did you did you suffer? You're all vaccinated. So what's yeah. the story? Uh, yeah. Well. Well, I, I don't think, and, and they don't tell you, when you're tested, they don't tell you whether you've had Omicron or Delta. Now, um, we worked out, well, our, we sort of uh, assumed that because Omicron wasn't really in South Australia and we could off Liam, we were thinking we had Delta. Now, it knocked Tan and I around for a few days. Yeah, uh, we, we, we were in bed for uh, two days. Okay. We had fever, headaches, uh, body aches. We didn't. We weren't great. Okay. Didn't didn't barely barely affected the boys. Like my look, the boys, uh, you you wouldn't have even known they had it, but they did. Um, wow. So that's that was the effect on us. Um, and then similar things, you know, with the with MG's household, a uh, couple were feeling, you know, a bit ordinary. A couple didn't even notice that know that they had it. So. Um, Everybody's anyway, different, right? Here we are, and it's it's nearly a New Year, Stephen, and um, I'm free. I got my certificate today to say you're out. Ah, well, there yeah, you go. You're yeah. free. All right. Yeah. Hey, um, let's talk some positive news. Uh, you're a premier in '91. Yeah. Uh, you've got you're now on the board of the Panthers, and you've got a premiership team. When did you see this one coming? Uh, I I thought. Once Nathan Cleary entered uh, the scene at Penrith, once he became a first grader, I thought I knew we had a, you know, we had a, a really good one, uh, and that was that was 2016. So, you know, I think we we went through a few hiccups. We had a good year in 2018, 2019 wasn't a great year, uh, you know, but I I guess I could see that the bones of the side were there. Uh, with the development of, you know, Jay Fisher Harris and a lot of the, the young boys that had played junior reps through uh, the, 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 you know, the years prior to 2016 that had come through and uh, won 20s comps and won SG ball comps. So there, there was there was always hope that this crop of players that were either a year or two, you know, ahead of each other uh, would always develop into a good team, but. Um, you know, it's not until you get there. There's so much can happen in a league season. You can think you've got a great side, but, you know, things just don't pan out. But obviously 2020 was remarkable. 17 wins into a grand final, lost a grand final. Then they started 12 wins this year in a row. Origin hit. It was a challenge. We went to Queensland almost like two separate seasons. And uh, they had some hurdles to overcome, but, uh, you know, they're a they're a, they're a good side. They're it, a talented bunch, and they're, they're well coached. It's a triumph, though, of a junior program, right? Of a very strong junior program. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes, but definitely. You know, and uh, you know, Gus deserves a lot of credit. Matt Cameron, who's been, you know, our general manager's been outstanding. Uh, you know, you need good people in place to, uh, to to carry things through, and to you know say, well, this is the way we're doing it, and we're going to stick to this way. Uh, you know, to to open up and and have kids coming in from Bathurst and Dubbo, and you know we had Isaiah Yo and, and Matt Burton, both Dubbo boys. But um, you know, to open up uh, the Panthers Junior Academies to a, a, a you know to a wider field of, of talent has certainly helped. So um, you know, those things that were put in place 
a dozen years ago. You know, they, they don't happen overnight, but if you stick to your convictions and, um, you know, believe that you're doing the right thing and, and identifying the right talent, well, you know, hopefully things fall into place. And, 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 you know, they did over the last few years. When you look at the final series, it wasn't perfect because you dropped the first one to South Sydney, but then you just ground your way through that. And I thought that's that shows a sign of character. So you lose 16-10 to South Sydney, then you go and beat Para 8-6, which probably was one of the games of the final series. Then you beat Melbourne, who'd had that amazing 19-run streak, 10-6, and then you get over the, the Rabbits 14-12. That, to me, says a lot about the character of the team. Yeah, look, I, you know, and, and if we, we've had a we've had a couple of chances to to celebrate what the players have done. Uh, presentation night um, in early December, and uh, they had a street parade, and and I, and I was fortunate enough to host our, our presentation night. Now, I, I started off by saying that I said, "Have has anyone ever witnessed?" No, no, I've watched a lot of. Has anyone ever witnessed? A month of football that our boys went through. The, the, the incredible month to lose week one of the finals. And I said to, I said to Nathan, um, as I was handing him the, the Merv Cartwright medal, which is our player of the year medal, I said, if I had said to you, after week one, uh, if I had said, look, you've lost, okay, week one you've lost, it's now sudden death. I can only give you five tries. Five, five tries is all I can give you. And I don't know how the, the chips are going to fall, but can you beat the Eels, the Storm, and South Sydney again if I only give you five tries? So what, what would you have thought if I'd have said that to you after week one? He said, <laughs> well, I, I would have thought, well, there's no way we're going to win it. Um, you know, the, the, uh, <clears throat> what they did, you know, the, the commitment, uh, defence, and, you know, just that will to, to go one further than what they did in 2020 that that drove them i'm sure the, the loss of the grand final in 20 is a is a great motivator and, and now, uh, you know to to win those three games and and only score five tries Stephen, incredible <laughs> and now there's the the idea of defending uh are they in good shape you lost matt burton to the dogs correct yeah yeah we're, we've we've lost a couple we've lost our starting centers matt burton on the left, Paul Momorowski right. uh, started on the right. He's gone to the Roosters. Uh, we've also lost Brent Naden. Uh, ah, who was, okay, so who played it. Yeah, so we've we've lost three centres uh, in effect, and you could probably throw in four because uh, Kirk Capewell has played a little bit of centre and back row for us, but he's a noted back row. But he's so we've sort of lost four edge players, which does uh, put a little bit of pressure on players coming through and leaves us probably a, just a little bit skinny. Now, we've got some... We've still got two great starting back rows in Kickout and Liam Martin. Um, but there's a little bit of pressure on, on the depth of the club this year, for sure. Oh, well, that's that's the challenge. I'm sure Ivan will rise to it. He'll, he won't give... He'll have his poker face on all season and then something magnificent mm. will happen. Let's just... So we've celebrated Penrith, and, and quite rightly so, because, uh, yeah, as you say, lose one to win one, and, and they certainly showed some en- enormous resolve. I want to talk about Melbourne. Has the gloss rubbed off Melbourne? I know they win 19 straight, right? We we all get that. They go to week three of the finals. That's all good. But I'm starting to feel like the wheels have fallen off a bit. Am I premature on that? Uh, I, I, I guess it did last year. You know, it, it definitely did. You know, I thought that um, I, I was, you know, my levels of anxiety you know, coming into that game <laughs> were, were off the charts because, you know, here was a side that, as you said, had won 19 straight 
they they were arrested. They were fully fit. It was a fully fit defending premiers um, Melbourne that faced Penrith that day. And, you know, they they weren't up. They just didn't play well, which is very unlike Melbourne. They did not play well at all. Now Penrith had a, a big part in that, but um, yeah, I I guess you could say that they they faltered towards the the end, Stephen. And it will be interesting to see what happens this year. Uh, I'm sure Cameron Munster, after the hammering he's copped in the press, and uh, you know, it, it certainly wasn't a good look for him following the uh, the season. Um, with all the all the things that were, were written and said about him, but I'm sure Cameron Munster will um, he'll be he'll be ready to go this year. So that might help Melbourne a great deal. Um, I think you know, they miss leadership. Always... I think they miss leadership, Brandy. I mean, their big three have gone, and I'm just not sure that they have that that leadership. What is it? That that leadership chutzpah that they used to have, and that they're finding their feet again. Yeah, I, I guess that that leadership you know, makes everyone accountable and, you know, they had three of the best for, for so many years. Um, you know, Dale Finucane's moved on too. Now, mm. you know, Dale, Dale is a leader. You know, Dale is someone that they would have, you know, always would have respected out of that that crew last year. So, um, yeah, that, that might be an issue. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking Munster steps up to the plate though. I, I think the criticism okay. heaped on Munster after the season, I think he's a he's a, he's a champion there's no doubt about it now can he become a leader and can he do the things off the field that you know the team needs up from him i i think he can i think he can aim up so um we'll we'll, we'll just wait and see but he, he he certainly carries a big load for them next year i'm a little bit excited about two teams one being the gold coast under holbrook they seem to be they seem to have a bit of money to spend but they they're retaining players and buying smart and the other are the Sharkies with Craig Fitzgibbon. He's going to bring an enormous culture to the Sharks. He's already said if you lose your training gear, you pay for it yourself. Yeah. yeah Fitzy, look, I've, I've been fortunate enough. Uh, Fitzy's been part of the State of Origin uh, set up for the last three years, Stephen. So I've seen Craig um, I've seen Craig close up and see just what a, what a good coach he is and what a success I think he'll be at the Sharks. And you're right, they've bought well. Uh, Cameron McInnes uh, and Tup, you know, no nonsense footballers that are, you know, follow me type footballers. Benukin, um I think Nick Alhoins will be good in the halves. So I, I agree. I, I think the Sharks, I think the Sharks are in for a good season, um, uh, and I think the Titans will be too. I, 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 I feel the same as you about the Titans. I, I like Justin Holbrook. Um, he looks like he can get if he can get you know David Fafita playing as well as we think you know everyone thinks he can. Well, uh, you know the Titans are going to be a real force. They've got a good forward pack with Tino and uh, Fodder Waker up front. So yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting season. And I think yeah we'll we'll see sides like the Sharks and the Titans um, better than mid mid table. Me being a doggy supporter, it was a horrible year, but they've bought plenty and bought well. Do you think they've bought smart? Uh, well, I think I, I think as they were signing players, they just had to try and get anyone that was available. Like if they could, if they could grab someone that had some ability. Um, you know, they'd find a place for them. So um, I, I think they've bought well. 
you know, I think I think Matt, well, Matt Burton's shown that. I know he he hasn't played a lot at five eight, but he is a class player. He's he's one that you know. It, it's sad to see Matt leave, but we we couldn't hold him, and I think he'll be terrific for the Dogs. Who plays halfback? I, I'm still not sure whether it's Jake Avarillo or, or Kyle Flanagan gets another go. I, you know, that could be an issue for them. Uh, they've bought some pretty classy outside backs with, uh, with Josh Adokar, Braden Burns, Brent Naden. Those, those, you know, Matt Dufty at fullback um, can be exciting with the ball, and I, I thought Dufty was good for the Dragons last year. So, yeah, look, I, I you know, I don't know how far up the ladder. Even they'll go, but they will improve. There's no doubt about it. They've got to improve with those players that we've just gone through. And um, you know, I don't think it'll be a. You know, I don't think if we're talking about sides in the mix, you know, we definitely throw in the Titans and the Sharks. I don't think the Dogs will be there, but oh. they'll be better than they were last year. Ouch. Okay, two more thoughts I want from you. Were the Cowboys the most disappointing team this season? Uh, depending on what your expectations of the Cowboys were, mine were pretty low. Uh, my, my, I had the Cowboys sitting, you know, around 13th, 14th, down, down the bottom. So, um, but they, yeah, they, they went worse than even I thought they, they'd go. There seemed to be some problems with Tamalolo, um, mixed messages. Um, they've, they've definitely got some classy young players, um, you know, some good young forwards there. Elon Lukey's one of those. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know whether the signing of of Chad Ray, um, Chad Townsend... <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's, that's a stretch for me. Yeah, I don't know whether Chad's going to be able to turn things around and they've spent a lot of money getting him there. So, um, yeah, I, there, there again, I, I couldn't put them in, in into that mix of teams that will improve a great deal. I... I think they're in for another tough year, the Cowboys. Okay, and your old joint, you know, I can't, I have, I cannot be remiss in talking about the Warriors. Do they look like they're coming good, sort of? I'm not convinced yet. Well, you know, I guess everyone wants them to go well. Uh, you know, it's it's another, it's going to be another tough season for them. Um, you know, I, I don't know when they get back home. Stephen, what, oh. what 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 is what is the news? Oh, well, we're still we're still we're still running, um, you know, MIQ. Um, you've got to, you know, the whole vaccination thing, and we just don't know. They they have already come out, Greg, and said they're staying there. They're not coming home if they have to uh, fly in, fly out for home games. So we're it's a, very much in the hands of a thing called uh, coronavirus. So who knows? But I, I yeah. think I think it's brave. But the the hardest thing for me to uh, a lot of people to accept, uh, Greg, is that they're starting to lose their identity somewhat. I guess they are. They've been away from home for so long and haven't played a home game. So I, I guess that does make it tough in trying to, you know, develop the members, develop the fan base, um, or at least keep what you've what you had prior hmm. to that, Stephen. So look, I, it, I, I desperately hope that the Warriors get back home at some stage. Um, and play some football in front of their, their crowd. Uh, you know, they're, they're, Sean Johnson comes back in. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's some exciting halves. Reese Walsh is a talent. Chanel Harris is good. Um, there's some good outside backs with. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're playing a very, you're playing a very there. strong political bat here. <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> Let's. I, I, well, 
Well, before before a ball's kicked off, we all like to think everyone's a chief. Like I, I, don't, I don't like to put a line through anyone at this stage of the year. But you're we're still in 2021. You're normally a blunt hammer. I don't mind that. Hey, look, how, do, how does the uh, Alexander family celebrate a COVID-free New Year? Uh, yeah, pretty quietly. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll have some friends around, but, but not many, just a few. And... Uh, and go into the year quietly, a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think I think we're all like yeah. that. Brad, are you still running? Are you still doing running lots of miles? Uh, not not particularly. No, I'm I'm more of a walker these days. Oh, the knees giving out. No, no, just I, I well, Tanya's not a runner, so we if we if we you know if we <laughs> think we, we need a bit of a bit of exercise, we walk instead of running these days. I do chase the boys around the field every now and then. Sounds like, sounds like you got the Zimmer out, pal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Oh, look, I appreciate you. You've always been generous with your time, and I, and I always appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, mate. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Love to Tanya and the family. And uh, we shall talk again and have a safe New Year, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Stephen. Great to chat, mate. As, as always, Greg Alexander, uh, he is one good bloke and one of the sharpest tacks uh, when it comes to knowing rugby league. You heard him here live on SENZ. So, now, so Brian, you got to you got to giggle though, don't you? Didn't really want to commit on the Warriors. Just And, and look, you talked about every other team got to the Warriors and held back. He just went, yeah, nah. I think yeah. it comes back to that saying when you have nothing nice to say. Yeah, it, it could be. He is a he's very smart about what he says, but I was he instantly went on the he went round the round the houses right didn't really want to commit too much yeah, on, yeah. on that one. So, but uh, look, I, I've, look, I know you have too, but I've heard him rip into them on those Aussie shows. Oh, look, completely, and and any team should be ripped into if they're playing like mud. Yeah. You can't sit back and say, oh, well, the boys did this and the boys did that. Gee, it was great when it, when in plain sight, fans know what's being served up is absolute rubbish. And I'm glad they, they rip into it because a little bit of honesty never hurt anyone. Have you got thoughts about the Warriors going forward in 2022? Have a think about it. Give me a call. Let's chat about it. Why not? It's New Year's Eve. And, and please don't tell me 2022 is our year. It's 125. This is SNZ Summer Days. 129 on SNZ Summer Days. Just a quick update from the World Darts Championship. And just some of the big guns have gone through in the fourth round. James Wade, he's a good bloke too. Loves his motor car. He's got a couple of classic uh, Fords. I know that for a fact. Gary Anderson has gone through. He went through 4-3 against Rob Cross. And let me just have a quick look here. Peter Wright. Yeah, Peter Wright is still going. He, he went through 4-1 as well. So that's just a quick update from the World Darts Championship, which is live on Sky Sport. And if you love your darts like I do, you just like to keep your eye on that one. It is half past one. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like when a freezes just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you use. 132 on SNZ Summer Days. That's what I'll be singing. 
tomorrow morning because I will still be standing because you know I am a New Year's Grinch. I do not buy into New Year's whatsoever. And I like that. And by the way, that reminds me of the movie Rocket Man. If you haven't seen the, the biopic of uh, Elton John, uh, see Rocket Man. Uh, it is such a cool one. I, I can't. In fact, you know what? I might just watch that tonight. Search it up. It's on Netflix, I think. So I might. I think it's on Netflix. I might give that a nudge tonight just to make myself feel good. Feeling good too will be Clado from the Good Old Big uh, Good Old Show tomorrow, News Day one through six. Uh, he'll be standing, probably standing, shouting, screaming at anything he's put money on. Hey, Clado. Hey, good afternoon, Stephen. Yeah, well, the yeah, get quite excited over whether it's a maiden or a cup race, but <laughs> the good news is we'll, you... we'll be starting at one at one twelve o'clock tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, your producer told me one, so he's obviously going to be late, oh. and he's just uh, thrown. Yeah, an ex- he'll be late. He's just been thrown an expletive at me, saying, "Oh, goodness gracious me! I did not realise that." Hey, mate, how important for the industry uh, and as a whole that you can, you know, Auckland's back in orange and Ellerslie's back in the in the, in the mix. Oh, look, the crowds are available to go to Ellerslie tomorrow and, you know, the Boxing Day crowd, they've missed out and they'll be out there in their droves tomorrow. The weather looks like it's going to play the ball, play the game and the fields are held up really strong. So all round, it's just going to be a fantastic day at Ellerslie tomorrow and the state money's great. You know, part of the new ATR initiative between Kennedy's and Ellerslie and see with that bump in the stake money, see the good horses that come out to play for sure. What sort of stake money are we talking now with that, that, that sort of merge? Well, on last year, I think there's another 20% uh, the ATR had put on the stake money. So the railway, the Group 1 railway, uh, 200000 last year, so 240 this year. So it's a significant bump up. And a lot of those you know, smaller grade races, you know, like going to $60,000 for a rating 74 and a rating 65, which, you know, just out of Maiden, you know, you're playing for 60K. And, you know, the Group 2's got four Group 2's and... Yeah, hundred and twenty thousand like that. That's that's really good money, and and the good horses will stay and stick around for that sort of money. Okay, so before you uh, give us the good oil, and I, I, the, there is another important part. What are you wearing tomorrow? Are you actually going to the races tomorrow? You're stuck doing the good oil. No, no, we'll be doing the good oil from uh, your chair there. So usually the host just leave a little six pack under the bench there for the good oil team. So you're the band yeah. this week. Yeah, 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 you're dreaming. Yeah, yeah. You're dreaming, pal, because I, yeah. I, I have a no drinking on the job uh, uh, idea. So you, you, you're stuffed up there, pal. Okay, let's move on. Uh, talk to me, Sugar Lips, about what people can look forward to and what you think might be worthwhile looking at. Look, uh, team race card tomorrow. We get underway at 20 past 12, and I think we kicked the day off on the right foot with... Um, named after a few people. The 8GC has won his last two starts, <laughs> but this is a really good horse. He's going through the open grade, so I think he's about 250 at the moment, but uh, if you want to play into the first, just to build a bit of a bank, uh, you can do no worse than GC in the first. Okay, so you're going to have to keep going, because you know me, I'm not uh, totally adept when it comes to the, the horses, so uh, when you look yep. at it, when you look at a, a, a good offer, right, what are you looking at? Uh, for, forget the money for the moment. Knowing the horse, what should what should the average punter look for apart from a good name? Well, you can do your form till you're blue in the face. Yeah. And, you know, you, sometimes you can end up with eight women chances, and then it's trying to scale it down from there, and that's where the uh, barrier draw comes in. Luck in the running is a big thing. So 
if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, Stephen. And that's why we keep coming back day after day. It's a pity we didn't attack a schoolwork like that back in the day, but racing, we'll, we'll put thousands of hours of study into our horses. See, I've always, I always thought that the barrier draw could, could be an important one because I sometimes think when it, in, the other, in the other class of racing, which is the trots, that the barrier draw is quite important. How important is it here with, with a big field? Well, it is, and um, we're going to talk about that about race seven because uh, one of my favourites goes around here, and he's been good to us on the good oil before, and it's a horse called Rock My Heart. Now he's drawn twenty, so from the so that's uh, so for, for a dum dum like me, that's on the outside, right on the outside, is that right? That, that's right, and towards the outside, that's probably starting from the middle of the Ellerslie Township. <laughs> Rock My Heart, but but look, see, he's drawn twenty, so it might put a lot of people off, but you know he'll go back. Like, he's going to sit back past midfield, so he's not going to need that early speed. He's not going to be involved in that, you know, early speed to get across, try and get across. He can sort of amble across and sort of get one out towards the back of the field without using up any gas. So hopefully there's plenty of speed on up front and he'll be able to weave his magic. So that's my special for you tomorrow is uh, Rock My Heart in Race 7, currently at 31 and 9. Oh, hang on, Rock My Heart or Lock My Heart? Rock, right? We'll you know, yeah, you know what? You know what? With that sort of money, a dum dum like me will just be throwing a little tiny bit at that just for a crack. Rock my well, heart, thirty ones. Do you think it'll come in at all? Oh, Steve, mate, I'm all over it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the horse. <laughs> mate, mate, you may be a big fan of the horse, but can it do the job? Look, it's it's the Dunstan Feed Stars Championship, and it's always a great series because they have a lot of races, lead up races during the the last couple of months and horses are going to pick up points to qualify for the race and they're playing for $100,000 and these are the horses that are probably like a year away from you know Auckland Cup mm-hmm. quality or the ones who just are not quite going to get to that quality so they're playing for a really good stake and Stephen Marsh I think he's qualified four for the final and one out of the box will be hard but look don't drop rock my heart I know he went around last week but he didn't need to win to qualify he'd already qualified at Tiara. So he's had a look around. He hasn't had a gut buster. He's run on okay. I think uh, we'll see the real walk my heart tomorrow in the mate, red and green colours. Mate, you, 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 you are convincing this, this amateur at a great rate of knots with the way you, you sold that one. What else can, <laughs> what else can you sell me? Well, well um, Stephen, the, the Group 1 for Steamer Railway is we're, we're only down to the uh, nine runners, but, boy, it's shaping up as a match race between Entrevier and Levante. I think when the market's open, they're both roughly the same. But, gee, on uh, trivia years, just gone into the red, well and truly into the red. And Levante's got out to about 270. So I'm in, I'm in the camp of Levante. And what gives me a hell of a lot of confidence is that Louis Herman, what's all over on trivia year, can't see it getting beat. So yeah. I think that's really going to help anyone who wants to back Levante. How, how long? So you'll have to help me out here. How long is the railway? Uh, it's 1,200 metres. Oh, so she's a straight sprint. Race. Yeah, she's a straight sprint, 1,200 metres for 240,000. And look, we've, we've seen it before. You, know, you, you talk about match races, you get down to two horses and it's either one or the other. But it's not to say that a horse like Babylon Berlin cannot lead them up and hang on and packing rock star and rose and tower. But it's going to be a real tactical battle. You've got Opie Bosson on, on Trivier and Ryan Elliott on Levante. So... Levante's one of the quickest sprinters. Um, she'll get back and she can absolutely fly. She is just an absolute marvel. And on tri- from Trivier, she's just a professional racehorse. So it is shaping up as a fantastic group one tomorrow. 
Yeah, it'll be, it's it's very short and sweet though, isn't it? But it's not bad money for for a quick run. How how long does a twelve hundred take for for a horse? They'll take about a minute and eight seconds, I reckon, tomorrow. So one eight, one nine, on a, on a good track. Uh, one twelve, pretty standard, but they should be running one eight tomorrow. One eight, one nine, or so, so, they will be flying. So, and, it's, and it's just, oh, Steve, it's just. Uh, in your mouth, you don't breathe. You hold your breath for, for <laughs> the 70, 80 seconds. You don't hold, you don't let a breath out because it is exciting stuff. There's so much happening, and you just you just riveted to the race. What's the longest race on the card tomorrow? Uh, it'll be the Stunston Stars over the 2400, and also the Sky City City of Auckland Cup. That's over the mile and a half, the 2400 metres, and that field's fallen away a bit uh, to eight runners. Oh. They're, they're running for 240000 as well, and Concert Hall heads up that field, and cheaper than Divorce, the two Roger James but Wellwood runners, and Concert Hall, cheaper than Divorce, like Cato Cup winner, she's a dollar eighty, and Concert Hall, she's, a dollar, uh, she's $4, so personally, I'll be going for the money. Concert you? Hall over oh, cheaper oh, okay. than Divorce. I was going to say, gee, Roger James has been around a while, hasn't he? Oh, he has. He, he's still regarded as the Derby's king, and it's, he's got a great team around him at the moment, and Robert Wellwood's joined the team, and they're, and they're just going to another level. I think that youthful enthusiasm sort of spurred Roger on, and they've got some lovely horses uh, coming through the stable, and, and it's really good to see. Okay, so um, if I was, if, you know, playing playing the, 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 the novice, would I talk to someone about jockeys, and, and if, a, if a very good jockey was riding maybe an average horse, would that l- help me lean towards that horse because of the person on the back? For sure, for sure. Um, hey, look, we all have our off days, and we, we could all have a bad stare, but... Um, no, if you like your jockeys, and I mean, some people, they're their favourite jockeys, but I think you just you just go with your gut instinct. If you're a once-a-year punter, if you like something, because there's nothing worse than people asking you, like so-called experts like myself, and what's going to win the Melbourne Cup? And yeah, you say, well, look, it's a tough field, but I like this, and uh, they turn around, they either back Pride Prince of Penzance, or they were going to back Prince of Penzance, but you turned them off it, so... It's just go with your gut and look, you've got 10 races to have a crack at and sure all the marriages, if you get three or four and you should get your money back plus a bit of a profit. I know you feel like this is pulling teeth with me, but I am, I am learning a little bit, right? So you have to, you just have to give me, give me a little yep. bit, give me a little bit of air here. What's your, what is your, have you given me your big outsider? Was that rock my heart? Do you think that's your big outsider for the day tomorrow? Yes, it is. Yep, yep. Either I reckon at thirty ones, man. I'm, 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 I'm yep. having a little bit of peace that I think, and, and and I don't and I don't bet at all. So, but but when I look at a number no. like that, you you've got to have just a throw a little a little, little bit on. Uh, what's your dead set? Dead set going to win one? Well, I, come on, well, come on, GC. Yeah, GC two dollars fifty. I think GC and. I mean, you're a big Aussie Rules fan, aren't you? No, no, gosh, no, no, no. I'm a big well, rugby league fan. Well, where, where did you get well, Aussie Rules? Um, what? what f- hey, Clado, that's our fight start, mate. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's all right. Uh, no, I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting <laughs> Stephen McIver. Yeah, well, I have fight done, for life three uh, times. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. So it's uh, what's what's the f- <laughs> what's the uh, weather forecast like for tomorrow? Uh, as far as I know, it's, it's it's going to be fine like this tomorrow. I had a look the other day and it d- didn't appear to be gloomy or 
any rain on the horizon. So it's, a, it's a, another day like today. It'll be a scorcher. And, and, and Steve, like the action just keeps coming. Like after the railway, we've got race nine, the Ritual Mile. It's a group two race mm-hmm. sponsored by Ritual Stud. And it's over the 1,600 metres. But there's a horse in here that's just been unbeatable. And that's Gold Watch. Okay. Trained by a 90-odd-year-old Cliff Goss. And this is a story that's you know making mainstream news and media. It should. Uh, it's a great story. He's in great form in this horse. He's been very patient with him. And Danielle Johnson takes the ride. And it could uh, well be Gold Watch. It'll be, I'd tell you what, it'll be a pretty emotional time if Gold Watch can get up in the oh, ritual wow. mile. All right. Anything else you want to throw at me? I'll throw something at you. Greg Alexander. Great chat with him. Thank you. But you know, you know why he's one of my favourite Aussie players? Why is that? Well, many years ago, when Auckland played the Kangaroos at Carlaw Park, oh. I think it was around 89, 88, 89. Yeah. And you couldn't beat Australia. They were a fantastic team, Surinan and Belcher and Greg Alexander, Vorton, uh, oh. Wally Lewis. And midweek, midweek at Carlaw Park, nothing better <laughs> and they were, the, foot, the game went down to the wire, and I think it was a turnover late in the game, and Greg Alexander had the ball, rolled the ball away. Instead of passing over to the Auckland player, he rolled it away. It wasn't a big, massive roll, but he just rolled the ball away <laughs> away from the Auckland player. And I don't know if it was Neville Kesher again, but the referee, or Billy Shrimpton, blew <laughs> the pee. Out of the whistle, and we got the penalty. <laughs> Not only that, our goal-kicking prop had to go up and take the kick. Michael Thompson used to play for Albert, and our prop walked up. He kicked the goal, and Auckland beat the Kangaroos back in 89. And Oh, my it was goodness. Just magic, wow. That's why I see, every time I see Greg Alexander, I see him rolling that ball away. <laughs> mate, that's moment day. That just brought back some absolutely cracking memories. Okay, mate, well, don't forget to put your uh, number ones on when you come and sit in the studio tomorrow to feel good about yourself. But, uh, mate, thanks for the education today. Yeah, oh, no, that's all right. We'll have Sam spread in the studio tomorrow too, and she is just a ball of fun and information, So, and she can tip them, so... We're really looking forward to the good oil tomorrow. Oh, it's at midday, from midday, right? Midday, that is correct, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, he's got it. Thanks, Clad. I appreciate your time, mate. Happy New Year. Thanks, Steve, mate. Mark Clad, he called me Steve-O. Here we go again. Boy, he takes he takes some liberties. By the way, uh, John just asked, what was the outsider at 31s? Rock my heart. That was race seven, I think. Was it race, race seven? Yeah, okay. All righty, we're out of here. It's 147.